Moto One Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of Creative Riding, the motorcycle podcast that brings you two-wheel topics from around the globe. Tonight's show is brought to you by our supporters on Patreon. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, go to www.patreon.com forward slash creative writing to find out more. Now, to our regularly scheduled show, show, show. have this figured out. Welcome everybody to episode 200 of the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast. <laughs> this is Junk Meister Turdman and uh, I have to say thank you for tuning in to this episode of Creative Writing. This is episode 200. Um, I went to AIM this last week and I was like, hey, 200 would be a good uh, place to drop in the AIM stuff, or not AIM, the IMS stuff. And then I thought, you know what? 200... Uh, would not be a good spot. I kind of wanted to look back on the show and, and talk about some shows that we've done and and the history and all that jazz. And I think that the people and the products from IMS uh, deserve uh, some quality time to be devoted to them only. And um, so next week, we're going to put that stuff in here. So if you're listening right now, and I interviewed you last week at IMS, and you're like, what the heck, bro? Have yourselves a good Thanksgiving weekend. And... Uh, Tune in next week to hear what we talked about, and we're going to actually devote some time and effort into the stuff that we covered last week. This week, Wiggins showed up, and Jay and Ashley and I had a little ride on Sunday, and so I knew they weren't going to be showing up tonight. So no harm, no foul. Ladies, have a great week, and what we'll do is we will uh, have them on the show next week anyway, and... Um, Wiggins, while he was here, we were watching, I tried to show him Joey Mac 420 videos and instead he showed me car stuff. So I don't know if Wiggins is going to make it to the next 100 episodes or not. He's turning into a car dude. Last two episodes we've been having it was a struggle. I had to quit recording to get him to quit talking about cars. So we'll see what happens. But in this episode, we got a lot of stuff coming at you. We, I, try to reflect on some of the um, the stuff that's happened over the la- the course of the last four or five years, uh, 15 to 16, 17, 18, 18, I guess four years. And so with no further ado, I'd like to talk about uh, <clears throat> the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast and what has transpired. I know at uh, episode 100, I think we probably did like some wrap up and uh, reviews and all that stuff of, of how the last 100 was. But I know some of some people are just now tuning in, maybe to the last like 50 episodes. So instead of going back and listening to all the garbage that was the last uh, 100, 200 episodes, uh, stay tuned right here and we'll recap some of it together. First things first, the intro and the Patreons and all that stuff, that stuff didn't exist 200 episodes ago and I'm so thankful for it now. 
I have a Patreon bumper that we play at the beginning of, of every show. Moto One Podcast Network definitely uh, is something new that didn't uh, we weren't part of 200 episodes ago or even 100 episodes ago. So that's awesome. And the intros. I'm going to pause right now and play you some of our old intros uh, from 200 episodes ago. The little um, hillbilly jam that you hear there was one of our first uh, that I made for the show um, way back in 2015. And uh, try to get some dedicated show music rather than playing weird stuff every episode at the beginning. But I also, when we started interviewing people, I started throwing them in. Well, as time goes on and you have 85,000 episodes uh, or, or 200, and not to, not to say 85,000 isn't where I want to be someday, but there, you, you're going to be an hour of show uh, putting everybody at the beginning that you've ever interviewed. And that's part of the reason why I don't like listening to um, the Adventure Rider radio show. About two and a half minutes of the f- part, first part of the show is intros. That's not a problem if you're going to like play who you introed every, um, maybe on that episode, incorporate it into the intro. But God dang, when it's the first like half hour show and I just want to hear like what you're talking about, I don't want to hear the 73,000 people that you've interviewed, right? So I get it. And I listened last week, and it's the same people plus one, so I get it, right? So uh, here's a few of my favorite infro, uh, infros, as I like to call them, <laughs> which is entertaining, inform- informative intro music. But um, yeah, some of the, the little hillbilly jam, that's just something simple that I threw together for the first few shows. And then some of these are some of my favorites over the past... 200 episodes. Let's get into these right now. Here's, if you haven't, uh, not a long-time listener of the show, you may uh, not be familiar with these. Welcome to Creative Writing, the best podcast you're listening to right now. Unless, of course, you have two devices running and you're listening to two podcasts simultaneously. In which case, the other one is probably better. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast, your source for motorcycles, mayhem, and misinformation. Welcome to the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast, the internet's home. For motorcycle mediocrity. Welcome, Welcome to, to Creative, creative riding, riding, where it might get a little weird, but it's always motorcycle related. You're listening to the Creative Riding Motorcycle Podcast. Pop a beer and throw an earbud in your ear. Now, here's your host. Welcome to the Creative Riding Motorcycle Podcast. Introducing your hosts. I don't know what to call myself. This is my dad, Chunky Turdman. <laughs> I was showing Turdman this earlier. Chris, the Whammer Jammer Wiggin. It's ugly as f- for sure. But I could ask my grandpa; he wouldn't remember. You get to, you get to do it. That's- I'm gonna forget to talk like a pirate, and you're gonna say that I lose. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, those are some of the ones that. Uh, are you know memorable i did a bunch actually i did a whole bunch and uh, some of them stuck some of them didn't one of my favorite ones is the one with my son that i did there when he was like i don't know three years old and we sang together um the dinosaur one 
<laughs> that one's uh, one of the best. But a lot of people, when I made some new ones, they didn't like them so much. So um, uh, asked me to go back to the original, like little hillbilly plonky plonk one. So that's our that's our intro music, and we'll, we should stick with it. I know what happens when a movie or a TV show, even if it's like you know on the air for like twenty years. Uh, could you imagine Gilligan's Island if they had gone to like? a disco theme or something like it uh, when they transitioned from like the 60s to the 80s or whatever. Um, but yeah, at any rate, those are some of our intros. Some of the people we've had on the show actually made the intros as well. And some of those clips are my favorite. Uh, I'm going to take a second to play those right now for you as well. The victims. I mean guests. It's, it's usually It's a cafe racer with alloy manks, racing tank, and clip-ons, and all that jazz. The Soma actually was purchased by uh, the Barber Vintage Motorsports Museum. Yeah. You know, after this interview, I sound like a fat, hairy, bearded slob. Um, so I'm familiar with the long hours and the uncomfortable seat. Kangaroos are just leaping down the street every day. Um, all right, technically all chaps are assholes, right? Or else yeah. just Tech- I don't have it perfected. I have to stop talking shit. The more I talk it, the more my bike messes up. My wife's like, you're 41 and started a race career. I'm like, yeah, and it's amazing. Yes, I am guest number 632 on Creative Writing Podcast. And I have been programmed to uh, answer all questions perfectly. As big as motorcycle industry is, very few people have actually ever even laid eyeballs on a Confederate on an actual confederate in the flesh. Even fewer have ridden them. Did you get to do that, Dave? Did you? <laughs> yes, absolutely. He's actually in a movie. I thought it was a good book. I, I didn't want to put it down. I wanted to know what happened next, but it was not my typical genre. All right, well, now you know, you know what, what you're, you're in for. for. I do this show with no clothes on. <laughs> Only sometimes, actually, do I do it with no clothes on. So those are some of our guests. Obviously, we stopped there at episode, ooh, I want to say 63 with Cerberus Moto. And that was 63. We're 140. My math is super terrible. I think we're 137 episodes, more than that. So obviously, we don't have like the guys from Lucky Wheels, Atlantis Motor on there. We don't have Liza on here at all from uh, Recycle Garage. A uh, ton of people, actually, with Wiggins, Jay, nobody on here that's, uh, you know, 137 more episodes. So I decided way back then to not do the deal where. Uh, I limit myself with the amount of space that I have, you know, and make my episode intros 97 minutes long just so you can hear who's been on it and then have like five minutes a show. Um, yeah, so that's one thing. Uh, another thing I want to talk about is the the co-hosts that we've had, uh, starting with one of my faves, Brivifer. So let's talk about co-hosts here. I want to go back to some of the very first episodes uh, where I had Dr. K on, and he was my co-host and helper half the time. And then we had, uh, I don't remember if it was before or after Dr. K, we had Tobor, the uh, sentient robot who actually left the show. And I have a drawing of the day Tobor left, um, giving me the bird with his robotic hand. Um, and let me see, Dr. K. Oh, Bribe Viffer. Turn this music down just a, just a little bit, just a little wiener. Uh, Bribe Viffer. 
Bri Viver has uh, came on like in episode 38 or something like that as a guest and uh, has since become an integral part of the show, does a lot of coverage on um, remote events, sends us, when he was in India, he was sending us stuff from India all the time. It was a great, he's a great resource to have and a good friend to have. Uh, and the dude has ridden quite a few I know now he has 7,000 um, V4s, but at the, uh, the history of Bri Viffer is uh, he's got had a lot of bikes over the years. So it's kind of cool. He's got a lot of experience, and he submits uh, hella good stories. Um, who else? Uh, Art Rex Panther from RP Enterprises has come on a few times and talked with us, but as far as a regular co-host, he wasn't like Tobor, Dr. K, or Bri Viffer. And here's Bri Viffer on episode 147. This is out. Wiggs is uh, building up a race bike to do for the uh, spooktacular race event put on by our friends Brady Walker at Ramming Speed Racing this weekend at Willow Springs. He's building up an XB12. Um, so in the studio tonight with us, we have legendary field producer, the man, the myth, Bri Viffer. How you doing, Bri Viffer? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing excellent. Um, so... This weekend, uh, there was a lot of stuff happening this weekend. The El Camino show happened. Crazy rain. <laughs> yeah. So, Bri Viffer, I won't, we won't play that whole episode, but I just want to say Bri Viffer always there to stand in. He's been on a, quite a few shows. He's gone to IMS. He uh, was my press partner at AIM last year. Uh, ironically, he went the day that I came back. Uh, to California, he went over. So, um, and then yeah, he's gone. I think he's gone to IMS with me before, or maybe he got into IMS. Uh, I forget. He always goes to IMS. But when we when he first started coming on the show, we were like, we should meet down at IMS. So it's crazy. We never have yet. I don't think I've gone to IMS with him once yet. So, um, but also. Um, you heard us mention Brady Walker. Brady Walker's been in here. Jordan Diggs been in here. These are all guests on the shows that we don't mention anymore because, like I said, you know, a few minutes ago, we don't want the intros to be thirty minutes long. But also, uh, equal part co-hosts. And I was looking back through my episode notes, and uh, so one forty-seven was Bry Viffer. One forty-eight, the very next episode was an uh, episode called Motor Mayhem in the Motor. And it's when we got an email from Jay or like she hit us up, she slid into our DMs or something and had her Harley uh, basically exploded on her or whatever the problem was with it. And and ever since, every single bike that she's had has exploded on her. And when we went on our little ride this weekend, they're like, so you're going to leave your bike stock? And I was like shaking my head very hard. Yes, yes, nodding yes. Because listen, when you don't leave it stock, things happen like, oh, it starts to blow up and... <laughs> break and do all sorts of crazy crappy stuff so um yeah so jay came on as co-host uh in 162 we covered her motor in 148 and then uh, about 10 episodes later i think wiggins was out and she came in as uh mostly full-time co-host on 162 let's take a little listen to that real quick all right everybody welcome back to another episode of creative brappy it's Creative Writing Motorcycle <laughs> Podcast, and uh, this is your host Chris Messy Flaps, and uh, <laughs> and in the studio is Junkie J. Yeah, hanging out. What's up? Yeah, new co-host. You're fired, Wiggins, until you get back, and then you're hired again. <laughs> well, I guess I'm the intern, right? I'm not getting paid for this, so this is a t- trial run. Oh, you're getting paid the same as me and Wiggins do, so <laughs> this is all good. 
Yeah, for sure. And uh, Wiggins and I still don't make the podcast money that we wish we did. But yeah, that was episode 162 when Jay first sat in with us. So she's been on for a good uh, 38 episodes, which, you know, if a week has 52 years or 52 years in a week, God, that's so crazy to think about that there's 52 years in a week. I meant 52 weeks in a year. And uh, unless you live on Mercury or Venus or something like that, then I'm sure there are 52 years in a week. Um, But anyway, so 52 weeks in a year. So Jay has been on since 162. Do your math. I guess she's been on almost the better part of a year. So it's been a lot of fun having Jay on. She's brought us a lot of female perspective. People liked when Wiggins came on because it wasn't just some asshole talking to himself in a weird closet. Uh, So Wiggins started coming over and... I had somebody to bounce my ideas off of and bounce and, and do we wouldn't have a motor challenge if uh, Wiggins hadn't been here and what's the fake one and all the stuff where it requires one person to feed uh, a little info to somebody and somebody else to get it back. So I'm really glad that uh, I had co-hosts come on. And then when Jay came on, people really liked the female perspective. Wiggins and I were a little unsure because right after Jay, uh, came on in 162. I think by 164 or 5, she had already eaten shit a couple times on her motorcycle, and we were like, dude, uh, we were a little bit worried. Let me see. Um, episodes 165 is rants and face plants, and I think we talk about crashing. And then, of course, Jay has had, like, a few more um, crashes since that. Oh, yeah, episode 169, social media crashes and a rant. So I think she crashed four episodes later. But regardless... Um, she is, Jay and I have talked about this extensively. She commuted like 20,000 miles a month. She commuted more in one month um, than most people will commute in a lifetime. And so uh, she added up all the odometers of her motorcycles and in the, sh- in the decade or so that she's been riding, she's probably ridden more than me and Wiggins put together, including all Wiggins racetrack uh, laps since uh they, you know, he races half miles and eighth miles and three eighth miles and all that stuff. Uh, you put 20 laps down and that equals like, uh, her commute to like the gas station, uh, you know, in between her two jobs that she used to have. So in, at any rate, uh, Jay came on, we had a crash segment after that cause she, she crashed so much, but it was really fun having her on. It's really fun having somebody that could tell us about babes right out since Wiggins and I aren't allowed to go. Um, and somebody that can engage us in other ways. She has, she, Jay is just like a little, um, Instagram butterfly. I know Wiggins is too, but, uh, he's been looking at cars mostly. And so Jay really, just reaches out and isn't afraid to just blab with anybody about anything. So it really added a new perspective and I was glad to have Jay come on. And, um, as far as co-hosts, that's it. Uh, in the studio, I like to thank everybody that helps us put the show on Mrs. Writing. She used to, um, help me do book reviews. We used to have uh, a girl that came in and helped us do the news, like in the first few episodes, uh, I think like up to episode 15, maybe, um, Jay, uh, Jim Robert Handybone, who does our um, the mail, the mail guy that basically mails out all the stuff. When it says Jim Handybone on it, that really is from Jim Handybone. Um, and so the mailing address that anybody gets prizes and stuff, that goes to Jim. Um, because podcasting behind a dumpster, we can't really like use the business address that we're horking the Wi-Fi from, you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, this Chinese restaurant that we uh, steal the Wi-Fi from to upload every week, 
I'd like to thank them. They don't know that they're helping us, but they are. Um, I'd also like to thank who else helps us out? Um, the old, the first few producers, uh, as you know, um, my real name is not Junkie Turdman, and uh, there were four Junkie Turdmans before me, each one building upon the skills of the last. And so I'd like to thank all those turds. <coughs> and actually, I've only been hosting this show for about the last six episodes, so I hope I'm doing a good job. Um, but anyway, yeah, so everybody that's come before us, everybody that helps us with the show, um, all the people that run the Facebook page, um, Mr. Blewog or whatever, and uh, the people that do our social mark, social media marketing on Instagram and uh, all that crazy stuff, and then run the the blog and all that. So um, all of our interns are paid the same as all the hosts, which is it costs us money to do this. So we thank the patrons so much, and then the patrons get the in return they get like stickers and and uh, or mugs or whatever the hell we can afford to buy with the leftover stuff um, that we don't spend on hosting. So it's really cool. I really love it a lot. I love what we do, and I love uh, that we've spent two hundred episodes doing this crap. If you want to be on our show, you know how to reach us: creativewritingpodcast at gmail and reach out to us on any of the social medias. We're on Twitter. We're on uh, Instagram and Facebook. We're even on Reddit. Nobody knows that, but we are. Um, we have a Discord channel, uh, which is private right now, and it doesn't even really work that well, so we might move away from that. But at any rate, there's several ways to reach us. And becoming a patron, you get immediate access uh, to us too. So if you'd like to reach out and be on the show, if you're have something, if you a creative person and you want to talk about us and you're like, ah, eh, that MotoGP show doesn't really talk about like the fact that I build sculptures out of old motorcycles or, uh, you know, I was on this brewing show because I brew wine uh, in the gas tank of my old CL-175, uh, but the the winos are the only ones that are really interested in that. Hey, creative writing is interested in that too. If it involves, if you're a writer, you don't even have to do anything that involves writing, but, um, you know, Miranda from Ghostbiker Explorations, excellent, excellent um, example. She goes out and does a bunch of paranormal stuff, and paranormal stuff, if you aren't into, like, you know, podcasts and stuff, you might, you might realize that the paranormal and true crime is like huge. Um, and so the fact that she incorporates writing into it is amazing. Um, and Mimi and Moto, we talked to the people that author books. And so, Hey, do they even ride? Who gives a flying uh, pickle? They write books about little motorcycle riding monkeys that kid get kids a into reading and b into motorcycles. So all the stuff we love and uh, if you're one of those people that has um, a DIY garage or you help people on the weekends, you ride around and look for people with flats, uh, all that great stuff, or you like Nokomoto or anybody else on the Moto One Podcast Network, um, yeah, feel free to give us a give us a ring, ring us up, and or send us an email, and you may find yourself on our show. All right. Having said that, let's get into this week's regular. Uh, episode 200 that Wiggins and I sat down and recorded on a rainy night in Southern Sounds like a good idea. It does it's sound almost eight o'clock. Holy shit! It is 
20 to 8. You've been here for like 40 minutes. I know. And we all we've done is watch Joey Mac on the H2 at Paris and put apples in the JM250. And that's about it. This is episode 200 of Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. And I hope that you are are ready to be underwhelmed. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, this is uh, episode 200. And welcome. We have the Wigmeister in the studio with us tonight. What's up? And we have the Jay Bonanza, the Flying Banana. I told her not to show up tonight. I said, it's cool if you do, it's cool if you don't. Episode 200, when I turned 200, it was just another year. So episode 200 to me is similar to just another episode, except that we're going to review some of the oldies. And um, I don't have a lot of the stuff queued up for Wigsy, so he won't he won't be able to hear himself singing his hit song, Naked Baby. <laughs> So, but um, I did want to remind you, this is uh, our disclaimer. Um, the Moto One Podcast Studios makes us read this every week. And by the way, big things coming soon from the Moto One Podcast Network, as in they're giving our sister podcast, Nokomoto, $50,000 to purchase and upgrade a new studio. Thanks, Moto One. Anyway, this is the disclaimer they make me read every week. The views and opinions of the participants of the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast are those of the participants and do not reflect the policy, position, or opinions of Creative Writing, Moto One Podcast Network, or its affiliates. Any opinion is the respective participants and is not intended to malign anyone or anything, even Harley-Davidson bagger riders. And with that, we're off to a spectacular episode 200. Wigs, I have a lot to uh, ask you about here in a little bit. We're not going to do our usual what's coming up because you know what? Who gives a rats? It's uh, snowing in half the places. You know it's rad. I've been here for like 100 episodes. You have been here for like 100 episodes. I mean, How's technically kind of more than 100, but then with missing some, about 100. Yeah, and getting edited out of the rest, about 20. Yeah. So doing good so far. <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Maybe uh, one day I'll make 30. Maybe. If and, I ever learn what I'm talking about. And maybe I'll make 30. Junkie always, uh, when he edits this thing together, he cuts me out. So yeah, this is the uh, this is the producer. Junkie is dead. We killed him, actually. Moto One Podcast Network put a hit out on him and uh, asked us to murder him. So Junkie's dead. Um, we're we're going to thank some... Pa- that's why this show seems so put together tonight. <laughs> Uh, so we're going to thank some patrons here and, um, over the last, oh God, I, I want to say that we started a a Patreon account right around episode 100, somewhere, maybe a little bit before that, uh, on the request of some of the listeners that said, Hey, I really want to pay you for your stuff. And then as soon as they started paying for our stuff, they're like, why am I paying you for your stuff? So, uh, once they realized they made that mistake, some of them have bailed, but the ones that have stuck around, are uh, are in it for the long haul, and so far we have Chad, who is uh, almost a lifetimer now. Uh, Chuck, who is a, a new, he only started when you started. I wonder why. No, he's he only started like a, probably about six months ago, I think. Yeah, I don't even think that long ago, but still. I mean, honestly, though, the Patreon thing's only been for maybe about a year, right? I don't know. I know more than that. I'd have to look, but. Uh, um, yeah, I'd really have to look. Um, so, Ch- but I know why Chuck started. That's Wiggins' dad. For all you of you uh, that are not insiders, um, he wanted to listen so that he could like yell at us on every show. And then he doesn't. Nobody knows how to use Discord. So I think we're gonna dis- 
discontinue that. That'll be in our uh, what's coming up for the next 100. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, also, uh, Dan, Jerry, John, Lance, Mr. Ray, uh, Matt, Narissa, and Paul. And Paul, uh, as well as a patron, is a lifetime um, field editor and field producer and also a content creator and a bike donator and a whole bunch of other cool stuff, um, host and guest as well. So thanks for him for hanging around. And uh, yeah, that's it. Those are the people that help out the show. And due to our patrons, actually, this is kind of sick right here. Um, It's so weird because right after I started Patreon, I started uh, getting expensed for a bunch of different things from the different... uh, places where we host our media and websites and stuff. And I was like, holy shit, had I not started Patreon and had our patrons not started supporting the show, um, we probably wouldn't still be on the air. So thanks. They've tried to kick us off actually Moto One several times, <laughs> Part, partially by making us uh, record behind a dumpster a few times, uh, locking us out of the studios, revoking our security, so on and so forth. Once once we joined Moto One, things really went downhill. But, um, but anyway, yeah, I'd like to say thanks to the patrons for making all this happen. And uh, just hooking us up with uh, money to keep this party going. And hopefully it gets better. Oh, for fuck's sake, I hope it gets better. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 200th show, man. I was like, we, you know, at 100 we recapped. So I didn't want to go all the way back to 200. Um, But then I was like, yeah, what the hell? Maybe we will a little bit. But uh, I I think that it would be hard to end tonight's show talking about uh, all the, you know, on a down note, talking about... Uh, tragedy and on stuff like that. But I also think it would be disrespectful not to acknowledge the lives of the people who have passed and have been an inspiration that we've actually talked about on the show and then who have moved on to race the eternal racetrack uh, in the in the other side, I guess, who have crossed the uh, the final checkered checkered flag. Um, and so I did want to say that they're gone, but not forgotten. And since the show has started, these are just a handful too. I mean, this is like, I've, I know I'm forgetting a ton and wigs. If you can think of any, um, let me know, but just on the Isle of Man. Um, and I started the show in 2015. I didn't release stuff until sort of the end of the year, but I had started, uh, recording and doing web stuff right before that for the, to establish the show. And right around the time of this, uh, Isle of Man had started in the, in the uh, Pikes Peak that year. So the Isle of Man from 2015 to this year, we have uh, Frank Petricola, Dennis Hoffer, David Taylor, Dwight Beer, Paul Shoesmith, Yane Bell, Andrew Soar, Davey Lambert, uh, Joachim Vanderhoek, Alan Bonner, Dan Kneen, Alan Lyon, Bud Jackson, Daly Matheson, and Chris Swallow. Uh, on... Um, MotoGP, we had Louis Salam. That happened, uh, I think, I forget where that happened. Louis Salam. But anyway, Nikki Hayden, that was a non-race incident. Angel Nieto, also a non-race incident. And um, Angel Nieto uh, is like, it goes Giacomo Agostini, Valentino Rossi, and then Angel Nieto. He was like super, you know, he's he hasn't been racing for a hot second, but uh, um he he's right up there. He's like number three of the greatest, uh, most winningest of all times. Nikki Hayden, of course, passed away, and that was a hard episode to record right after that happened. Um, but he was hit by a car. Angel Nieto was riding a quad and also was hit by a car. So, dude, 
the racetrack is the safest place for you, apparently. <laughs> um, in, in some endurance racing, uh, Anthony Del Haye, I don't know if I'm saying that name right, uh, Enrique Sari and Julie Mortensen. Um, road racing, we have Michael, uh, Malachi Mitchell Thomas, uh, William Dunlop just last year, which was really sad right before. I just finished um, Michael Dunlop's book, and then his brother passed away like just a couple months later. Um, Fabrice Miguel, Dario uh, Caccioni, Jamie Hodson, and of course, Carlin Dunn just uh, just a few months ago. Road racing up to the clouds. At Moto America, Bernat Martinez and Danny Rivas. Do you remember this? This was... Um, it was Moto America event just 2018, I think it was, uh, at at Laguna Seca, and it was like a World Superbike Weekend or like a Superbike Weekend, and I think they crashed at the bottom of the hill right right after the start finish that long hill that goes down. I think they crashed up there, or like, yeah, I think that's where it was. Either that or that one corner right before you get to the um, the turns that lead up to the corkscrew. It was like right into one of those weird corners there. I just remember them flipping into some dirt there and thinking that did not look good. Um, in AFT, we had Jethro Halbert. And if you know Sammy Halbert right now, he runs um, 69. His old number was 7, and Jethro's number was 69. So in 2015 or 16, I think it was, he took over Jethro's number. Um, yeah, I actually don't even remember his original number because you can only go single digit after you win a championship. So it's kind of like it's kind of cool that he gave up. I mean, yeah, for he, obvious yeah. reasons, but you know, he gave up, you know, Numbers. a number that you had to earn by yeah. winning a championship. Yeah, to to pay respects to his brother. Right. So up until his brother passed in 2015, he was in an accident actually in 2014 because I remember that happened at uh, I think it was out here at Salinas or something or. Uh, Calistoga, something like that. And he was in a coma for damn near a year. It was like nine yeah, or 10 months. While. And then he passed away in 2015. Um, and his brother uh, didn't get the number until 16. So he was seven up until 2016. And then he took uh, 69, which was Jethro's old number. Um, and Charlotte Kynes and Kyle McGrain, also that same year, I think at... Uh, oh, that was at the... Those were at the same race. Yeah, yeah. That was at... Um, uh, not Sacramento, but up there, Santa Rosa mile. Yeah, Santa Rosa, yep. Yeah. And it's it, a deep Cush mile, man. You, mm-hmm. And Cush tracks, like, you have to really be on it, and you still can hook a rut. Like, that's sketchy. But I don't know. Yeah, I thought it was the exact same race, but I was reading today because I couldn't remember. It was how, the same day. Yeah, it was the same day. It was also something they did then, too, because – that was the last year where it was uh, Premier and uh, GNC, one, GNC and G- one and GNC, GNC two, two yeah. right? So the, the Twins riders could run singles at the TTs and on the short tracks. So you would go to events that had like like legit um, singles, you know, the all the big uh, GNC, was it the one was faster? Yeah, GNC one. Okay. Where you race twins on the miles and like half miles and yeah. singles on the short tracks and, and TTs. TTs. Or well, dirt bikes basically, but yeah. And then the yeah. GNC two only raced singles at all the stuff. Except at the miles, yeah. they were allowed to run a twin. That's true. So you had these kids that were still in singles, you know, could have been a rookie, honestly, and you throw them on a in that case, a deep cush mile on a XR750, and uh, people were getting hurt. I, I remember that weekend, I believe 
there was a um a dude named like Miguel or something that also got his back jacked up. And if I'm not mistaken, that's where Stevie I think Stevie Bonzi got jacked up at that same race too. Uh, I think Bonzi got jacked up at Sacramento, um, Sacramento that year because it wasn't a cush and it was early in the year. Mm-hmm. Um on a I, positive note, that is when the Indian FTR debuted with um hooligan champion Joe Cop on it. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's true. That's right. I remember that race because he got the whole shot and was gone, and you couldn't oh, dude, see. He made the dash for cash. He was like yeah. second or third fastest time. It was so crazy because that track. Uh, I remember watching Fans Choice, and you couldn't tell who was coming. They had to wait until they came through the dust to the camera to see what number it was. Basically, yeah, if you weren't up front. Yeah. Also, uh, yeah. Sorry for sorry for reminiscing about that. That was that was a hairy year though. That was I think JD Beach didn't race because he had a there was a Moto America race that same weekend, but he called to make sure like everybody like. All of his buddies, I think, because Hayden Gillum was racing it there. Mm. And I, I think he called to make sure everybody was safe because he could. He was watching it, going, "Dude, that's not safe." And then yeah. this tragedy happened. Yeah, um, Barry Boone also passed away uh, like two years ago now, or maybe a year yeah. and a half ago, which was really sudden. I, I listened to his episode because yeah, he wasn't super old. No, and, and I, he was doing his podcast yeah. and stuff. Yeah, I listened to his uh, show like on a Tuesday, and then like on Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, I might have these dates wrong, but I, you know, you get what I'm saying. Like he was gone, and it was like, wow, that's crazy. He needs leftover high desert Coors Light micheladas. Mm, like we got, shit'll make you live longer. Yes, make you live forever. I think I'm getting younger. <laughs> um, and Gene Romero recently passed away, and then Alec Demuth and Jameson Minor also passed away this year. Um, Land Speed Records. Jesse Combs is the only one I know. I didn't. Uh, well, there's probably some that you don't even. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> and like you, you don't really hear about it. Yeah. She was more, one more a celebrity and then one more just in the motorcycle industry and being a female too is a bigger deal. And she was out there more. Like she did the women's moto show and a lot of like teaching women to weld and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and so. I know it's funny cause I was like, there's gotta be more people that have crashed. Hopefully not. I'm, I'm hoping not or that they didn't die if they did. So, but I mean, she was such a big name that she made, uh, Made the the pages, and um, personality wise, uh, Peter Fonda, Arlen Ness, Annette Carrion, Keith Flint, who was the uh, singer for Prodigy, um, Percy Tate, who was like a longtime uh, uh, British. He was a big um, personality, like back in the sixties and seventies. S. J. Harris, she was a stunt woman, and I, I think she was from New York. I think she might even been like one of the leaders or something from uh, New York. But uh, she got. Uh, Killed on the set of Deadpool um, when they were filming up in Canada. I didn't think you could. I didn't think it was legal to kill people when you were in Canada. But uh, even on accidents, like I thought people just like lived until they died of like uh, old age only. Too much flannel. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So yeah, and then and then there's a ton and and, uh, Afridza Manunanda something like that. I I totally butchered his last name, but he just he recently passed away because he his death overshadowed the Sepang. But the, in, when you look through Asia and Europe and um, like the smaller racing uh, divisions like our Moto America of those countries, there were, there's a lot of people that have passed. I didn't, didn't want to go on for 10 minutes bumming everybody out. But as far as like most of the people that listen to us, that these are the big uh, people that have just since this show has started, we've lost so many. But we've also gained, I have to say, a lot. So many people have been having kids. The Mises had two kids, right? 
Are they oh, just one kid right just, now? Just one. Okay, they had a kid. Corey Texture had a kid. Okay. Well, and they, they're no longer allowed to do victory laps. With the kid? Yeah, with the kid on the bike. Dang, how are you going to get him into riding? I don't know. I mean, that, and it was like such a cool thing, but people, you know, the parenting police. Hey, don't let that dog in the studio. That dog's trying to take over the mic and say a lot of stuff on air, and we just didn't want that. Okay, I guess the dog's coming in. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, so you can't get the your kids into motocross by literally taking them on a victory lap and jumping yeah, them over Yeah, I'm the sure, edge. like, <laughs> some, I don't even remember why they claimed, but some parenting police got all bummed out, and it's like, mm. you know, like, he's a professional, he's not doing anything crazy, like, it's a victory lap, like... Yeah, you know that's why, that's why I stay away from Instagram and Facebook. I don't want people seeing me do stuff <laughs> cool with my kids. Right. Um, and I know Elena Myers. Did we already mention she had a baby? Um, and Colton Haker has had a baby and is having another one. And uh, yeah, there's just like a bunch of people that have been having babies left and right. It's baby making, uh, baby making times. Motorcycle industry's paying. Let's have a baby. Um, who retired? I, this is all I can remember. And this is crummy because I, there's had to be more than this, but this is all I could remember. Danny Pedrosa, uh, a couple years ago, Roger Hayden last year, Colin Edwards. Wait, when did he Colin Edwards retire? Cause I might take him off this list. I swear uh, um, he was racing when the, sh- when I started the show. Uh, I don't know. He retired a long time ago. Though. I started it in 15. Did he retire in 12? I'm going to erase his name off there. Guy Martin, he's retired twice. (laughs) Well, and he's, yeah, not only is he retired twice, he's retired from motorcycle racing, but he hasn't retired from racing, and he hasn't retired from motorcycling, and he hasn't retired from motorcycle racing altogether. He's just retired from, like, being a professional motorcycle racer. He's retired from being a professional, yeah. And uh, and he did it a couple times. And he was always, like... He was always a professional racer, but he always still had a job. Yeah. So, which is probably why he so like did he never retire or not? I mean, you know, he's a TV personality now. He is. He is that. He's definitely a personality. It's probably why he never won anything either. He was. He was more famous than the people that actually won stuff. <laughs> well, and he was. I don't feel. I mean, he was good. Don't get me wrong, but. He was more a personality that like to be around. And I watched something with him at Isle of Man and like he's going out partying the night before and sleeping in his van and barely making it for tech and like and everyone's like, That's guy. Yeah. Um I think he was so, somebody that they put up with. Yeah. Um Josh Hayes also, I put him on my list and I'm pretty sure that he raced up until twenty seventeen. Uh uh, yeah, he's on my list because I know that he just relinquished control a couple years ago to um, coach. Yeah. Oh wow, he to coach the uh, like Graves Yamaha or whatever. But he raced up until 2017. He, they couldn't get him to retire. He was like the Valentino Rossi of uh, Moto America. <laughs> um, Kenny Kulbeth and Jorge Lorenzo, and uh, I feel these last two go hand in hand because Kenny Kulbeth, while he was racing and he, he, I mean, he's only been out of it for like two years now. Um, last two seasons, actually just, well, last year, I guess was his first year not racing, huh? So, um, I think 18 was he raced and he went out. I think he finished like second on his very last race, but I think he finished like 12th or 15th in the actual season. And every Every race was like a turd of a race after he got on that XG. And 
Well, he did a his final season. He did on an Indian because he didn't want to go out of summer. Oh, that's right. And he he won some races actually, and he podiumed on a couple of races. I know he podiumed. Did he win? I think he got. I think his best finish was a second. If he did win, good because you know what? Maybe his best finish was a no. Technically, he won. When uh, Meese got DQ'd. Okay. And he was leading the points for the first part of the season because of that, too. Wow. Because I know he went down pretty far down the line and he finished. Um, when he was on the Harley, he went from like finishing like top five a lot to finishing like. Well, look at who they have. They're still struggling to podium on that bike. Yeah. You know, yeah, five yeah, years yeah. later. I know. And you've, you've been with us every step of the way to tell us why that bike sucks <laughs> and why the XR is still better than the brand new tech. I mean, the XR, I mean, for that side, like the XR has some flaws for sure, but it works on the racetrack well. Yeah. But I mean that for Indian now, for yeah. 50 grand, but the new, so the XG is going to be available next year, but maybe that's a topic for in a little bit. All right. We'll talk about that. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about that next year because the, the next race is like a hundred uh, days and like 15 hours or something like that away. So we'll have plenty of time to talk about that. But Kenny Coolbeth, when he was racing was the winningest racer to still be racing. And I feel like he, you didn't see that, especially as popular as flat track got within like the last three years. You really didn't know that because you kept seeing Meese for the last friggin' five seasons, you know, except for when Brian Smith won it in like 16 or whatever it was. Uh, it was like Meese, 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 and then Brian Smith, maybe Coolbeth, then Meese, Meese, Meese. And I feel like Jorge Lorenzthal was the same way. This guy came in. How many championships did Jorge win? Not that many, right? I think like five. Did he really? Yeah, five or five. I don't know. And Pedrosa won what, one or two? Yeah, Pedrosa didn't win that many, but Pedrosa was that guy that was always there. Like Danny Pedrosa was the... He was also kind of underwhelming. Like when they hired him on, I think um, they kind of spent... I mean, it was like the year or the year after Nicky won. Not the year Nicky won, because I think Rossi was still his teammate when he won in 05 or 06. 06. I'm so pretty I sure Pedrosa, Pedrosa was started his teammate in like then. 17. Um, no, it's not 17. He, he just or sorry, retired. started in 7. So um, they like spent... Like Nicky had just won the championship and they put all their... Focused all their energy and efforts towards Pedrosa. And he just never really. Yeah, he won a lot, but he he never. I don't think he he maybe maybe won championship if that. But yeah. he he won a lot, but he didn't championship ever, and that's the thing. And I feel like Lorenzo is the same way. He has a lot of wins. He's right up there. Uh, I think Nokomoto did a really good job of talking about him. They're like you would have to com- you would have to combine Wayne Rainey and Kevin Schwantz together to get how many wins. Uh, Lorenzo has and he's only 32 like he's retiring sort of young yeah well so did Ben Spees how old's he you know and he, he retired yeah his thing got like that was like when, those weird um, years when we got when the team started going to the satellite teams and things started to kind of crumble in MotoGP though well and he because he was on like the Tech 3 Yamaha well, he was also like and he did well in GP but he, he was, was also way too big you think so? He's like six one or six two. And granted, Rossi's six, but still, I don't know, man. I when when Simoncelli was on the come up, like he was great. His his height is ultimately what killed him. But um, I think Spees was uh, he was really good. He defended the twenty six and twenty seven like AMA, 
back to back. And then when he went right away to MotoGP, he was... Well, he didn't go right to MotoGP. He did a year in World. world yeah, he did World Superbike. And I'm right. 99% sure he won World Superbike as a rookie. I think so. He got Rookie of the Year for it. I think he got Rookie of the Year, and won, but I think he won the championship. Yeah. And Rookie of the Year is based off points. So if you win the championship, <laughs> you got Rookie of the Year. Yeah. I'm really sure he got Rookie of the Year, but I'm pretty sure he actually won um, the championship and I think he only raced world one year. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure you're absolutely right about that. I'm pretty sure you're absolutely right. You like how I say that? <laughs> Gosh, pardon me. This Michelada is kicking my ass, buddy. Like it's good ep- though. Huh? Episode two hundred. Woo! Party on. Um. Yeah. So he was good, good dude. And I was like, did Ben Spees? I wish he would have had a, been still racing when I did the show. Ooh, what's this 2016 shit? Maybe he was. No, because he was gone by 2016. Oh, he went back and did some um, AMA Cut. stuff. Mm, could it be. Maybe. After, I didn't know. Oh, no, I don't see it on there. Yeah. I don't know why it says 2016, because I've been paying attention to, like, when's Ben Spee's coming back, and he's not. Yeah, no, he's definitely not yeah. now. But, um, but, yeah, he did win, let's see, the World Superbike Championship. Yep, he, uh, he certainly won that, didn't he? Let's see. I like looking at stats on the air. Can you guys see this? <laughs> anyway, it doesn't really matter, but he did. He was a really good, uh, a really good guy. And I really, it had a section for the world superbike thing. Yeah. Right? But we're anyway, to talk about cool Beth and Lorenzo, I feel like cool Beth was the same as Lorenzo. And the fact that they were like really good while they were racing. And I think Nokomoto made this point and they follow. Yeah. I haven't followed MotoGP basically yeah, Since but one like of the things you got to think like about Coolbeth. I actually I'd compare him more to Rossi because Coolbeth was what should have retired five years ago. Uh, no, um, <laughs> I still don't think Rossi should retire. Like Coolbeth was running Provent, so I went to a race in the mid '90s in Terre Haute at the Action Track, and I met Coolbeth, and like we spent a lot of time together. We did a Harley shoot, and we're stuck in a trailer all day. Like one guy'd go out and ride and shoot, and so yeah, the you know, guy, like then he'd come in, and the guys. other guy would rub him down with the whale and <laughs> relieve his sore muscles. So it was like myself and a couple of my hooligan buddies, <laughs> and then like the three factory riders, which was Coolbeth and Brandon Robinson and Jake Johnson. It was the first year of it. And uh, so we're talking to Coolbeth, and I was like, dude, I went to a race in my hometown in like the mid 90s. And he asked where it was, and I told him he was like, I was there. <laughs> so it was like 94, 95, He's 96. Been, yeah, that's what I'm saying. He raced Something a like long that. time. Yeah. And that was, it was his rookie year. And then he's, you know, up until two years ago was still a contender minus the year on the Harley, but he was still a contender. You know, I mean, he won a championship in 2010 or something, right? 12, I, I think he won before Mises' big streak minus the Brian, Brian Smith in the middle. Yeah. Um, and the Brad Baker. Hang on, let's pause it so they don't have to listen to us click around and we'll tell you. Three in a row. So through the magic of time and space, we have, uh, he won 26, 2006. He won 1926. <laughs> he won 2006, seven and eight. Okay. So he won it back when it was GNC. Actually, right, it so may have been, this is maybe pre-GNC. Leave that up a little bit. He won the 1997 AMA 600cc national hole shot title. Hot shoe title. Oh, hot shoe. Oh, that was when they were running road taxes. Yeah. Sorry. When I read 600, I was like, 600s? Yeah. But yeah, it's because it's there on road taxes. 
Yep. And then also they had oh those that those years, like the late nineties, early two thousands. They they had a whole bunch of weird. Uh, oh yeah, they dude. had that. Did you see somebody posted like the original hooligan racing where they were like oh the old eight eight three R series? Yeah, dude. Oh my god. Let's not call that the original hooligan series. How come? I can go in a deep dive and prove why it's not. Oh my god. They said street bikes. It is what hooligan is turning into, which is also ruining hooligan. But that's beside the point. You mean they took street bikes and let anybody ride them and that anybody was pros? Is that what you're saying? No, they they were pros. There was way too much money in it. They were restricted to 883s, which actually hurt them because they didn't make enough power. And guys would, uh, I literally watched a video. It, it like popped up on Instagram at that same commercial shoot when we were with Coolbath and Johnson and Brandon Robinson. And Coolbath, like, or uh, Johnson started asking about it. And he's like, dude, that was me. We're like, what? Like, so it pops up on our Instagram feed, right? And like, so because we're sitting there playing on Instagram all day, and he's like, "That was I know me. you are just like, just like and five he minutes tells ago us, in here." So he, t- <laughs> are you? I hope you're recording this. This is good stuff. <laughs> yes, I am. Um, <laughs> this I, didn't, is- I didn't know you hit record again. So what had happened? It was Meese and Johnson were battling, and they went into. Wait, don't lose your train of thought. I just want to preface this for the listeners. This is episode 200. We're going to start a new segment instead of Emma's history hole. This is Wigan's wormhole, where he takes you on a wormhole <laughs> back through his. Well, this was some important because you wanted to bring up hooligan racing. Yeah. I did not want to bring up hooligan racing. I made the mistake of mentioning the word hooligan in front of Wiggins. All right. I digress. Let's get back to this. No, I just said so the, the 883R series. So um, he threw it in and was like sliding because, you know, you have enough speed at the end of the straightaway and they're sliding around the corner and the 883 like basically runs out of power. And anyone that slides a motorcycle knows that if you lift the throttle when you're sideways, it hooks yeah. and high sides you. Anybody that rides knows that. Well, they should. Um, so... That was one of the big problems with the 883R series. Also, because they were limited on motors so much, everyone was cheating and doing everything they could. And because they were so down on horsepower, everyone was doing anything they could to get half a horse. Yeah. So keep talking. I'm gonna the, add some. I'm gonna add some soundtrack. To this. <laughs> the big teams with money were out winning it. And one of the things that we don't do with Hooligan is there's no motor rule. And on most of the tracks we run, that's better because it's harder to ride if you have it. And I have one now it's a pain in the ass. Like if you have a motor, that's a light switch and it's hard to ride, you're not going fast where a stock eight, eight, three, or even a stock 1200 is probably better. <laughs> is that the old eight, eight, three R? Yep. Um, they, uh, like they, you don't need the power. So they're actually better to have a stock one. But you know, when you got pros on half miles and miles, a half a horse or a quarter horse really helps. Like one of the th- one of the things you know what a quarter out. a quarter horse is actually a type of horse too for all you <laughs> yeah. equestrian crossover crew that came here. It um one of the cheat things they did where they were putting twelve hundred cylinders on the back cylinder because on a sportster to check the back cylinder or to take the back cylinder off is kind of a pain in the ass because you have less clearance. Wait, are you saying for like for impound when they get it in there they they wouldn't check yeah. that? Yeah, absolutely. They would only check the front cylinder. Because uh, they were like pulling the head off, and it's so easy on a sportster to pull the front one, but the rear's kind of a pain in the ass because you have less clearance under the frame. So they were running 1,200 rear cylinders with 883 front cylinders, and they were like deraking the frame. I wish I could do that. The spam. They were like, like SR500 rear on there. 
I mean, you could. It's I, a single. <laughs> How am I going to do that? I don't know why you couldn't put an SR four hundred or five hundred. Uh, I don't. You probably it's probably different bolt circle and stuff. It's but, all different on that. Yeah. Um. So anyway, back to Cool Beth. So he won a championship in Scroll Up, two thousand six, two thousand seven, two thousand eight. I have to actually race this race to get these sound effects. Yep. Now right. let me scroll. Look, I'm multi. You? Actually, <laughs> yeah, I'm actually playing a game. <laughs> you got a uh, yeah. What is it, motorbike or flat track obsessions? My motorbike flat track obsessions, which is my new website. I'm stealing from Matt. <laughs> <laughs> my motorbike flat track obsessions. Yeah, actually, did I mention Matt as a patron? Because he is. I think he still is a patron. Is it Mad Skills Motocross? That was. Oh, okay. Shh, don't. That's copyrighted soundtrack. That's not- free advertisement. Damn it. Oh, because it was soundtrack, but it wasn't <laughs> a sound. It was just a, I don't know. It okay, was whatever. actually, when you're coming to copyright law, that was me doing a piece and uh, using it to, what's that called when you like remix a piece? I don't know what it's it was called. Was it parody? It was comedy? It was par- that was comedy parody. Okay. That was me making that sound with my mouth to sound like the Mad Skills Motocross game. So that's why, I mean, I don't Thank think Cool Beth is quite the legend that Rossi is. And no, I, that's why I compared him to Lorenzo. <laughs> to go, no, to go Lorenzo's, Lorenzo's span as a pro is too short. No way, like, Something dude. I think that really needs recognized about Coolbeth was he had such a long career. Was it he spanned good? over 20 years. Oh, Loren- he won three championships. Lorenzo won more than that in less than 20 years. But that's why I went Who's but the better he writer? Didn't, but he had a span of 10 years. Not even 10. When, what was his first year? And he retired in 18? Yeah. No, he just retired. Like he hasn't retired yet. He's it's the is this year that he's oh, okay. Uh, so he's so he, he got, just retired at the end of this he, season, he which just, is nineteen. He retired because he, he went to Honda and he's like, dude, I got fucked up. I broke my fucking neck. He went to the best bike in the fucking paddock and couldn't win, so he decided to quit. Well, because he broke his neck twice. Well, he broke his neck and then he well, fell. That's on it not again. Honda's fault. No, but he doesn't want to disappoint Honda, so his whole thing is I'm gonna retire. Okay, so he started in like oh five. Did he? 10 years, 11 years. Well, he won a championship in 06 and 07. Oh, no, no, no. He started in 10. Yeah. Because he won a 250 championship in 06 and 07. And 2010, 12. Well, that's when, that, oh, okay. That's when so he, won. he Who knows He when probably he went started. in 08. I think he went in 08. Yeah. Or 07. Or sorry, I mean 9. He's 32 years old. He could have been racing in Spain. You can race when you're four. So he could have been racing for the past 27 years. Yeah, but not as a professional at the top level. Yes, in Spain you can. No, because he wasn't until 2010. They just made that Quartararo Or 2009. Rule. What was his first year in GP? I don't have any idea. 90, 87, right? That here. was the year he was born. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so uh, the, the soonest was 2008. Right there, active years, 2008. He had an 11-year career. You can't compare that to someone that had a 25-year career. Are you pulling the Indian Harley-Davidson thing now where you're saying that you can't compare water-cooled to air-cooled? No. (laughs) When have I said you can't compare water-cooled to air-cooled as far as flat tracks? My buddy did, and I'm not talking flat track. Oh, talking any any motor? No, I, I, I mean uh, you can compare them. That's that's a whole different topic. That's a whole different wormhole, buddy. Yeah. So those two retired. Out of all the people that retired this year, uh, those two top my list. Who else is retired? Has anybody retired that you can think of that I didn't mention here from flat track? From anything? Oh, like Danny Pedrosa hasn't raced flat track in a hot second. Uh, Roger Hayden. 
also, Roger Hayden also kind of he, he, he retired raced. from road racing, but yeah. now he's been doing some flat track. Yeah, you know JD Beach, he retired from road racing as well, and I think I think well, then it, he came back or something. I don't no, know. No, 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 no. He's gonna only flat track next year. No way. Yeah. No and way. And I think that it kind of shows how popular flat tracking is getting again. I think it's like an <sighs> IndyCar person going to NASCAR. When NASCAR was big. Yeah, before NASCAR sucked. But yeah. don't worry. AFT, but don't worry. AFT is ran suck. by NASCAR yeah, people. They're trying to soon. suck it away too. <laughs> you know, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to say anything about that. Yeah. <laughs> I was asked not to. I was okay. going to bring up a point about people like there's premier writers out there that don't, can't afford and, or don't want to do the whole series. And the specific guy I'm talking about can afford, but doesn't want to do the entire series. But because of the new rules, he might not be able to run and he's a popular twins writer. So it's like up in the air, like AFT's fucking people over like that. Yeah. Or I saw someone, there's a meme page called flat track memes and they posted the uh, new Tesla truck and they were like, Hey, AFT, is this pretty enough or is this nice enough? Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, dude, I, I, I've kind of checked out, you know what I haven't checked out of and that really pissed me off is that I knew it was coming too. It's been, it's been too free for too long, just like YouTube and uh, every other goddamn thing. Yeah, a, yeah. Uh, fans choice is now a paid, uh, since everybody, since all the big networks, it's funny that when you get people with money involved, things become monetized where it's like, you'd think that these people would put up a dime for you to stay free, but now fans choice is monetized and they say, sent me an email that says thank you for your like 10 years of like uh continued support they don't know that you had 10 year support you only had to sign up this year i know but uh but they probably use my ip address to see that i used to watch because moto america before it went to moto america but ip what, at different addresses all day long i peed at your address before the show started listen, i just peed <laughs> in my pants literally at this address right now but yeah i used to before moto america was moto america back when it was still ama um Sport bike racing, super bike racing, all that stuff. You used to be a fan's choice uh, broadcasted those. So I used to watch all that stuff. And it was like, thank you for your continued support over the years, blah, blah, blah. But now um, fan's choice is going to be monetized behind a paywall, which is why for episode 200, I vowed to put all my stuff behind a Patreon paywall next year. <laughs> 200. Um, <laughs> it's over 200. <laughs> so... I don't know. I kind of saw it. It was like Born Free when they started charging. Like I went to the last year Born Free, they didn't charge. And I've been to two of the last three that they have charged. To get but, in? Uh, yeah. The, like I, and it was honestly, it's a, a better event now that you're paying to get in. Like I'm sure less well, people weird. go, but it turned into a total fucking shit show. And they had to have... They had to pay for, and yes, the vendors pay and stuff, but they had to pay for security. Um, well, if it gets, you have growing like pains, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. I, understand that. I mean, that's, that's, but that's what uh, Fans Choice is running into and AFT is running into. And again, this podcast I think the people, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We, you know, no shit. This is episode 200, and Wiggins and I have talked about doing YouTube stuff and live streaming and figuring out ways to do. That was the whole reason I even did the Discord thing is because Patreon was like, listen, we got this cool thing that you can do with Discord. Come to find out, Discord works pretty good for people that know how to use it, but uh, I don't have like a cool like web channel where I'm gaming and I don't have a cool web camera in here. And we would like to do a bunch of that stuff, but guess what? With growing pains comes... Uh, 
necessity for dough. And I know we have a good Patreon following right now, but it's also like the stuff that I want to do in my head and the stuff when I look it up to see like what it actually is going to cost. I understand that there's things like that used to be free and cool and it was like fun to hang out with your buddies and do stuff, but now it costs money. Born free is one of those things. And actually uh, continuing on uh, our theme here of the, you know, the 200, I I was going to ask you wigs over the last like, 200 episodes. I know you haven't been here for all 200, but I'm going to I'm going to list off to you a couple of my favorite shows of this actual show. And then you, I wanted to ask you like what were you, some of yours cuz I know you you've actually gone to actually some motorcycle shows uh that I haven't been to that were pretty fun and it was fun for me to talk to you about them on this show. So uh, we'll get down the, we'll get down the paying for stuff hole when we get there. We, and, uh, Moto One has been contacting me all week trying to get me to answer these emails, but the Wi-Fi behind this dumpster isn't very good. So I'm going to have to get back, <laughs> get back to them next week. Um, some of my most memorable shows, whoa, totally unintentional, but apropos sound effect. I did not mean to do that, but maybe I did is, uh, oh God, that was more like it. Um, some of my most memorable shows is episode 11 when, uh, we very, very first had Chris sing Simon back when he was no, oh, a nitrous Chris. Right. And, uh, the funny thing about this episode is we got introduced to, this is my first encounter with like a real random fan of the show, um, that I had just seen I had interacted with online by calling him out on the show. I said, hey, I see this person following me on like Facebook or something. I mentioned them and then he hit me back. Hey, I'm that guy. So then I said, hey, you want to talk about what do you do? And then he told me and I was like, oh, bro. And we got him on. And that was such a crazy show because we've had him on like four or five times since. And back then he did not know that he had like a thyroid problem. He's a young dude too. And he didn't know that he had like Nitrous Chris. Oh, okay. And so he didn't know he had like a thyroid problem. And that first interview, the stuff that he was doing, um, yeah, God dang it. Totally unintentional, but apropos at the same time for Nitrous Chris, he was an amazing dude doing amazing things. And he had all these little uh, struggles going on that he didn't even realize. And then when we interviewed him later, he sounded like a different person. And I think those medications have gone to his head. Not only are they keeping his thyroid in check and he's not all lethargic and like, um, has like swollen ankles, like a, uh, pardon me, the stay puff marshmallow man anymore, whatever the fluids that was happening in his body has got regulated. I think that's also why he went to turbo this, this past couple of years on this motorcycle. I don't think it was just, uh, I think his thyroid problem was, was, uh, directly related to his nitrous problem. Um, so yeah, he's gone to, he's gone to a turbocharged bike. He's like always moving and shaking for the last four years, five years. Let me see. 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. I guess the show is going to be going on five years next year. Um, he has been moving forward with all of his uh, projects, and it's just inspiring to see. He was an inspiring dude. And then he introduced me to his neighbor, Michelle Stanky Pitts, Mankiewicz, who is up there on, on our wall. They both sent us some cool pictures of them doing burnouts on their respective steeds. And to find out that she was a teacher teaching kids about uh, the world and science through her drag racing was just an inspiring thing. And she's always doing something crazy too. And uh, so, yeah, she was very inspiring. And they have since hooked up with our buddy Narissa, who also was up there, um, who rides for the Milwaukee Rivets. And we actually had all the Milwaukee Rivets on at one time. 
the delay through the wormhole from California to Wisconsin was so weird that I hope I edited that episode good because I would say something and they wouldn't respond and I was thinking, oh shit, time to hit the crickets button. But it's because like the signal took so long to get there and then they'd start laughing and I would already be going on to the next point because I felt all awkward. So I tried to edit that episode good, but it was fun talking to them anyway and fun hearing what they were all about and then fun talking to Narissa who is not only a bitchin' writer, she works at Harley Davidson, but she's also a mentor with the Build um, Group, which teaches girls to build motorcycles. So that was like just that array of Wisconsinites, uh, Wisconsin. I'm sorry, I didn't pronounce it right. That array of cheese curd heads um, was really special to the show, and uh, still means something to me today. So those some of my favorite episodes was them. Also Dan Michael, who is one of the only guys that I've interviewed from Australia that just literally bleeds motorcycles and is now gone from social media mostly. Um, I haven't seen him on lately. I know he had a, he had to drop out for a bit because he's dealing with the personal illness, but he's contributed so much to the show. I used to buy all of our uh, Solstice Slam and Spooky Spoke stuff from him. He contributed a bunch of free art, and then I hope to God he's doing good. I ought to just hit him up um, personally, like via the email or call him up. I think I still have his phone number because he sent me some art that has been – uh, was featured in some of his books and pads and all this and that. And it's like, man, I hope that wasn't like his last, like, you know, hopefully he knows he's not going out and he's giving this shit away. You know, I, I really hope that's not the case. But at any rate, this dude has been riding bikes since he was like three or four and uh, literally has ridden almost everything under the sun. So he was, he was one of my favorite episodes. Born Free 8, Wigs, I was there. What is it on now? This is going to be 11 this coming summer, right? They just had 9 and 10. I'm pretty uh, sure 11. I'm pretty sure 11 is no, coming 12's up. coming up. Oh, is it 12? Holy cow. So Born Free 8 is the one I went to when this show started. So that must have been 2016, uh, 17, 18, 19. Yeah, so 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I haven't been in a hot minute, but that was fun. I still had to pay to get in, I'm pretty sure. But uh, but I saw what it's all about, and it did let me see the custom bikes. The thing is, I'm not into like all the choppers and Harleys, and like once I saw 20 bikes, I'd feel like I'd seen them all, except for JP Rodman. Like that guy was, <laughs> that guy was crazy, and uh, I loved his stuff. But I saw what it's all about, and it is cool to get together with like all your friends, be able to camp, listen to music, you know, see hot dudes and chicks without their shirts on when you're like an old geezer. Um, cruising around, but most, more importantly, be with like thousands of like-minded people, right? Like seeing some of the coolest bikes. The problem that I have with Born Free is that it's pretty like chopper centric and that's okay. I mean, it's like a chopper show. Uh, you go to sport bike shows and you're not going to see a lot of sport bikes, but I just feel like it was like, you know, it, I, after I'd seen that's like, definitely like the main focus. Cause that's what yeah. the people that put it on. Actually, they're not necessarily into choppers. They're into more like the period, correct, like forties and fifties bikes. There was some of that too, actually. Yeah. And I did see some pretty rad Honda, like uh touring bikes from like the fifties that were like, you know, back no. when Harleys and Hondas almost I, I looked the same. I don't think you saw any Honda touring bikes from the fifties. Oh, from 65, that, I guess. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Good, good uh, catch there. Yeah, I think it was from 65 or 68 that one was. But um, back when Harleys and Hondas didn't look too different, you know what I mean? And then um, so that was also one of my most memorable shows was when I went there. Also AIM 2018 because just about every goddamn motorcycle podcast in the uh, United States was there or at least west of the Rockies was there. 
And if you would have sent a bomb in to blow us up, boy, that would have been, uh, people would have been devastated. And then also any IMS when Chuck Brewer from the Wheel Nerds is there, I have to say, even when I was going for my work and Chuck showed up, like one of the last years I went for my work, um, that we actually got in under my work, um, uh, with my work, uh, before they quit kicking industry people out was before it was like just purely media. Um, Chuck was there and I had got in with the podcast, but then my work also got accepted. So I was like, I'll just go with my work. And I was supposed to be looking at stuff and Chuck was distracting me and it was very hard to get the information I needed for work. And now that I do it, um, from the media side, I try to pay attention, and every time Chuck is there, it's really hard, especially when there's a dude trying to ruin your interviews, and then we're walking, this year especially, but he's done it to me before, we're walking by a booth, and there's like a booth bunny there, and he just yells, hey, this guy's looking at you, hey, this guy's staring at your boobs, or whatever the hell he says, and I'm like, and I just pretend like I don't know I'm going to keep walking, because, come on, come on, Chuck. So anyways, any IMS when Chuck is there, um, I have to say, uh, it's memorable for me. And then this year's Moto Mash interviews. I really liked, um, I really did like the, uh, what the, f- we went, t- when Wiggins and I went to, uh, Twisted Throttles, but I don't think that's happened since we went, right? Or you said it happened one more time, but it was like not as big as it was that I time. don't even know if it happened after that. Yeah. I- I think there was something, but it wasn't the same kind of deal. Yeah. yeah. The reason I like that is I got to talk to Rick, uh, Rick James from, um, you know, he does a bunch of different stuff uh, for his, for work, but he isn't, he's into big murals, basically, any big motorcycle-related murals. And we got to talk to Nate. I met Nate, you know, that time and talked mm-hmm. to Nate a little bit. And I really got to talk to a bunch of people that are doing some pretty cool art stuff as far as the uh, motorcycle world is is um, concerned. And so when I didn't get to go to the Moto Mash this year because of a funeral, uh, I was really stoked that Jay got to go. And I felt like it was like reconnecting with some of the local SoCal motorcycle-specific artists. So those those are some of the memorable shows that have stuck out in my head. Um, Wigs and Jay's not here. We might uh, I might have to hit her up later and g- drop her recording in here. But Wigs, two hundred episodes. Um, like you said, you've been on probably legitimately a hundred. What um, what were some of your favorite ones? What are the most memorable ones that you have? Uh, and I'm not talking about shows that we put out, but maybe shows that you've gone to that we talked about later. Like I know the one it's exciting for me every time you'd go to the one show. And come back and tell me about all the fun stuff that was there. Yeah, I mean, definitely the one show stuff was always fun, to, and it was always good to like go up and and see motorcycles and misfits crew. Um, you know, honestly, going to IMS the last couple of years with the media day was always good. It was cool to like not just see the new stuff because I, I do like I'll be the first to admit like it's rare that I get like wowed at those things. <laughs> yeah. This year was no exception, my friend. I yeah. was like, you didn't miss anything. Um, but it was just cool to go like with the media and do the little tour and, and hear everyone's spiels and stuff like that. But I think for me, my favorite is probably the Jeffrey Carver interview. Yeah. Um, because I, I was pretty new on the, on the show. I don't even know if we had hit 100 episodes yet, actually, at that point. Yeah, it was close. If, if not... If yeah, it was definitely close because I started in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so maybe we were just over 100, but, uh, you know, it was cool how it all kind of came together and everything. Um, you know, yeah. I, I had already got to meet Jeff, and I already knew Jeff, so that was nice. But um, 
just like doing the interview like that was, was fun and organic. And I, I feel like that was a really good interview. It um, was from a, from a producer standpoint, when you got the, remember the first time I let you borrow the recorder and you gave it back to me with just dead air on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, when I did one, like in my truck with the old front tires on oh it, that made God, a bunch yeah, of noise yeah, yeah. too. That was with Juan. Um, yeah, it was funny because you would ask like how he got it so clear and we literally, I put the recorder on top of an empty beer box, Yeah, but it got it off the ground. Right. So it kind of insulated it from like weird ground noises and stuff. Yeah. So. It was an app from a producer's point of uh, standpoint. When I got it back, it was absolutely great. I was like, yeah. wow, this is, it's a good, and it was the style that I like to do, which is just really organic. Like talking to him about, yeah, uh, man, I mean, you know, I mean, with him coming out and going to the camp out and staying at my place for a few days and stuff when that was going on, like there was definitely, um, you know, and, and getting to know Jeff better and better, like every time we hang out is definitely super nice. But, um, it was episode 94, by it the way. It was 94. All right. So that one was cool though. Cause it was, for me, I was on this show, like what, 10 or 12 episodes, yeah. something like that. So, um, and it was, I mean, honestly, we talk about flat track a lot and, and, you know, as I like become friends with Jeff, he's definitely a normal guy, but if you talk about flat track on a podcast and you get Jeffrey Carver for an interview, like that's huge. It's almost like the Brodo GP guys getting like Rossi or something on their show. In a way. Yeah. Maybe someone less than Rossi. <laughs> Jeff's got some more winning to do to catch up to Rossi, but yeah, I mean, it, it's it's definitely a big name in um, in flat track right now. So it was just so and you know when he had started and let's see that was right after he won Texas. Yep. So and it was and even to this day he's the last guy to win on an XR seven hundred and fifty or at least to win an AFT Pro event. Um, the only other one would be. Uh, Sammy Halbert at X Games, but I believe Texas was after X Games. Actually, I know it was after X Games. So yeah, he was definitely the last one. Yep. So, so you were on episode eighty three when I interviewed you. This is that was also a great episode because after that shit didn't like. Where's that picture taken at? Cause I wasn't. Oh, that picture is from X Games. Okay. Yeah, it's something that you. I just asked for a piece, and you emailed it to me or texted me. Yeah. Um, but I interviewed you the first time I ever met you was well, I'd seen you a bunch because I'm like I know a bunch of people. I'm good with faces. I'm terrible with names, and I go to a lot of motorcycle events, so I know who a lot of people are, but yeah. I never actually talked to them. And I, I, I knew who you were from Ivy League events. I'd seen you even at the Harley versus Indian um, at the Peterson. Oh yeah. But uh-huh. when I actually met you, I was like, oh, that was that that was that guy I saw talking that was telling her <laughs> talking to everybody. Like you were, you had a little circle around you at that event. And um, and I already knew the Gordado brothers. I talked to Sean there, and me and him. I've just always kind of. I feel like I'm more like him, you know, a, bit, a little bit. Like people know, I know a lot of people, but I'm not like the face of. Uh, yeah, and Sean's definitely like he's the quiet one of the two. Yeah, so. and I'm really quiet when I'm out. Like I I like to stealthily a- approach. I'm like a puma when I get interviews. I like to sneak up on people and attack them. Are we playing this episode? Whoops. Uh, I don't know what you're. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Hearing something. That was this episode started to play. So yeah, so I met you out at the Tracker Cross, I think it was, which I was yes. super excited Remember, about. It was like super windy oh, that day God. too. God, and I yeah. forgot my windsock. I have like a dead cat for this thing, and I forgot <laughs> it. And so I had to use my hat, the foam of my hat for my trucker cap. Yeah, and the, I think, uh, and you had kind of said that you live close. We found out though, like we lived close. <laughs> 
I don't know. It was like episodes later. I'm and like, you know what? I live right. So right. was that the first interview? Because you interviewed me like two or three weeks after that, after I got back from yeah. X Games too. Yeah, that was the first one. And then I did ep- interview like episode 88. And then after that, you came on um, full time. Okay. Uh, after yeah, that. it was like right when I got back from X Games. So really, I would have started about episode 89 or 90. Yeah, then. somewhere around there. Yeah, so to have Carver on for 94, 96 yeah, was, yeah. was rad. And it was, so that was definitely cool. I mean, that, so to me, that was probably the most memorable. So bro host, um, whatever episode bro host is, is, uh, <laughs> there it is, 89. So yeah, you came on at okay. 89 and interviewed him five episodes later. Yeah, cool. 94, oh yeah, right there. The gentleman, yep. Okay. So dang, man. Yeah. yeah, and then I should have interviewed him again and taken stuff out when we were out at the camp out. Yeah, honestly. So next year you got to like block that weekend off. I know. way in advance. What was it this weekend? Oh, I, yeah. My daughter was ripping it at soccer this year, and yeah. I committed myself as a referee and as my son's den leader. My wife tricks me into all sorts of shit. I can't yeah. get her on the back of a motorcycle or to like help me plan shit for the show, but boy, can she like get me to do all sorts oh, of stuff for my kids. <laughs> that one, um, yeah, dude, that one you might have to do. I mean, what I think what I'm going to do next year is probably end of October, beginning of November again. It's kind of chilly in the desert at night, but, um, you know, you just bring warm stuff to sleep in and what have you. But, I want to set the date up early like I did this year. Yeah, that was good. Um, it was so shitty watching it approach and going, oh, goddamn, like, because the calendar no. kept moving around and then, like, watching my dates fill in on there, <laughs> like, three weeks before. You got to <laughs> fill it in. Because, yeah. I mean, it's just such a cool, like, it's such a cool experience, and there's definitely a lot that you can go out and learn, and you just hang out with so many rad people. And, like, dude, we could have got... You hey, could have got so much content for the show. Do you know why I want to go? I don't want to go to learn anything. I don't want to go to hang out with cool people. I don't want to go for content for the show. I want to go and just sleep on the dirt and get a good... I'd have a better night <laughs> sleeping out there on the fucking dirt with maybe not even a sleeping bag. Maybe not. Than having two kids wake up in the middle of the night and jump into bed and then a dog like licking herself at the end of the bed all night. I don't, well, if you just slept out there with no sleeping bag, it would be your last night alive. Good. It that actually might be worth it. Oh, you've you've oh. talked me into it. Um, <laughs> I'm but, in. Count me in for next year. Yeah, I mean, but so many super rad people, like other Rick James, uh, Nate was out there, Rich Silva. Um, you know, we had um, Beulah from the Girl on a Moto, Girl on a Moto fly out in an airplane. I saw that. Um, of course, Carver was there. Uh, Jasper came out again. Uh, you know, him and Mark came out and, and rode and, and hung out with, with Jeff and, um, you know, learned, learned a lot. Yeah. But, um, that was another cool one too, like interviewing Jasper. Cause it, you know, I, I, one of the things I like about that is not just like, you know, one, it's good for him. You know, it, it supports him. It helps get his name out there as much as we can. But it also, like, it helps prepare him um, for big things, I think. Like, you know, if the kid keeps riding and keeps ripping and, and keeps being successful, like, hopefully, you know, he'll have to do more of that stuff. So it's good. It kind of gets him some practice in. And I know I was hoping with me he'd be a little more relaxed. But I, I also think, I mean, you know, the kid's 11 and, um, you know, in a lot of ways, like looks up to me, hopefully not too many ways, <laughs> but you know, so I, I don't know. I feel like he, 
you know, he might've been nervous because of that, but it, you know, it was a good interview. You it know? was it's, good. It was good. I, it was, um, I've always wanted to interview a kid and he, him and Mark, I did a thing on, um, and I, I would like to do another one with him and Mark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When when Mike from the Motorcycles and Misfits was having their kid, they were pregnant. When I met yeah. him at Born Free, they told me they were pregnant. And so their daughter, and Mary was only like six weeks at that point. And um, they told me about it then. And so I made this, tra- this uh, track called like Babies and Bikes or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to actually talk to some parents and get some advice because I knew I'd seen him before I knew you, I saw, I would see him and Jasper all the time oh, at dude, the uh, Ivy. All, all the uh, yeah, time. They're everywhere. They were, I didn't know they were at Paris every, every dang week, but they were also at all the Ivy League stuff. Yeah, yeah. And there was like two Ivy League things happen a month or at least like one a month. It was for, yeah, it would, he would do like two a month for like January, February, March or yeah, something. Yeah, and I'd see them at every single one. And yeah. I was like, dude, there was a lot of cool dads and kids out there. And I was taking my kids to a lot of those. What I so like about I think it was a Mark good interview. and Jasper is in the motorcycle, and this isn't just motorcycle, but this is what you know all of us know. In the motorcycle industry and in a lot of racing, what you see these days, and it, you know, it happened 20 and 30 and 40 years ago too. But what you see these days is these little kids show up to the track with the best of everything. And Honestly, it's not, I don't think it's good for them because a few things, one of the big things is the chances of them being professional. And this honestly, it goes for Jasper too. The chances of them being professional and making a living, even if it's for a short time at it is slim. Like being a baseball or basketball player. Like all of it. Yeah. Yeah. All of it. You're taking a large number of people and you're narrowing it down, narrowing it down, narrowing it down to... For AFT Pro Twins, 16 people right now, right? Right. Um, And honestly, a lot of those guys work. Like I've talked to Jeff about this a lot. And when I first met Jeff, he literally told me, so this would have been at the Phoenix Mile the first year the Indians debuted, right? And he was on a Cowie. He had just linked up with his mechanic, Ben, and they were were kind of talking and he didn't know what he was going to do. And Ben was like, dude, let's go do the West Coast Swing. That's what they call it when they go to like Arizona. They do a couple of California races and stuff. And so they, he said, okay. So he literally emptied out his bank account, came out to the West Coast, and it was a make it or break it time for Jeff. Um, and I hope, no, that doesn't seem like something I wasn't supposed to say. That's all good. <laughs> and he, <laughs> he had a really good run at, at Arizona on the mile. Um, you know, I remember, dude, he was in this little motor home uh, with Ben and his mom. <laughs> His mom like decided to come out with him, you know, um, which she goes to a lot of his races. So, and he, he, uh, in the semis was the only one all day given any of the Indians a fit. He was all over Brian Smith Mm -hmm. and they had 10 bike links to third place and he was having a good main and, uh, thought the motor was letting go. It ended up being electronic, but he shut it down and, and whatever. And then he came out and he had a good West coast swing or good California races. Um, and then, you know, made enough money to keep going for the season. And then that's when he won Texas was that year. So, you know, even someone like that struggles to make a living at the professional level, you know, um, a lot of the writers now are getting paid something, but you know, even with the, you know, even with a lot, man, other than the guys on the factory teams, these guys that are on teams, 
they're struggling or they're not making much of a living. Mm-hmm. And there's probably not a retirement account. Yeah. There's, you know, there's well, really no. not sick days. There's, you know, you do what you got to do and you work a ton of hours. If you broke it down to get paid by the hour, you'd never want to do it. Um, there's always YouTube. Why don't they go? Why don't they be a YouTuber? <laughs> uh, well, over the course of the last 200 shows, also I've listened to Pit Pass Moto Weekly out of Des Moines, Iowa, mm-hmm. and I also listened to uh, I think Barry Boone might have mentioned this on his show, but I've heard of a, a couple of the flat track shows talk about it. And over the past since I've been doing this show, that really hasn't changed. They uh, Pit, no. pa- Pit Pass talked to talked to it um, talked with uh, some Moto America before I think. I think that was right when it was making the change to Moto America. They were talking about how sport bike racers make their living uh, when you're not a GP person, like anybody down from there. And then also they were talking to some MX guys, and I know they talked to some flat track guys. And then there was another, I think Barry Boone talked to some people about it because he was like, what do you do? Like, what do you do It's really the top work? five people yeah. make a living, make a decent living well, at it. A few of them and a, make enough to get by. And all they really do is make enough to get to the next race. Yeah. Well, and then they become like Mies, um and his wife have become promoters. And yeah. so I think you start you start using your network to branch out and Absolutely. find other ways. You to know, do Cool it, right? Beth is doing. If I'm not mistaken, and this could have changed. One, he's supporting a team. He's coaching riders, but he's also That's like got to cost money. He's like right? a rep for um, like an oil company. Okay. And he uses his connections in the industry to go out and do these sales and stuff like that. And that's what a lot of the guys do. Or a lot of them, um, Chris Boone, that races hooligan because nothing like having former pros race hooligan. Um, he works at a, Honda, or a Harley dealership in, in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So that's his full-time gig. And yeah. You know, the owner was like, hey, let's go racing. I know a lot of uh, Moto America racers do too. A lot of them Mm -hmm. are, a lot of them work at dealerships and then they, they, one of the sponsors on their bikes will be that dealership. And the dealership will let them take the time to race and they'll give them spots. You know, sometimes they'll give them room to work on their stuff. And like, I honestly don't think that's going to change over the next 200 episodes either. It's definitely not going to change over the next 200. You know, when I listened to Wayne Rainey talk about Moto America, was it Wayne Rainey that runs it now? Uh, Yeah. Um, talk about Moto America and talk about how there's no Americans going to GP. A lot of it, unfortunately, goes back to there's no fucking money in it. So that it's not that there's no money for the riders because you're going to have riders because a lot of these riders, case in point, Jasper and Mark, they don't do it to make money, right? Racers go race because they, it's their drug, right? I mean... I always joke with people. I was like, dude, I can't afford to do drugs. Like I have too many expensive fucking hobbies. Right. And it's just not on the list. So, you know, the, the motorcycle racing is like, it is the drug of choice. So it's what you do and you don't even know, you don't even know why sometimes, right? Like, and I haven't been racing as much as I was, you know, a hundred episodes ago, <laughs> but I, that's the thing too. I, I was going to say some of my favorite episodes was you were at mama tried. You went to the X games twice since you've been on the show. Yeah. You were, you were always going to the, um, I keep playing our episodes uh, on accident. You, you, uh, you've been to the one show how many times now? I mean, since I've been on the show, I think three. Yeah. Uh, before that, how many times? Just one more time, okay. I think, before that. And then, I mean, the X Games qualifiers, I don't even know where they've been, but you've been to the Stampede. You've been to a lot of the stuff that's been on the come up. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. like, Well, I mean, 
as far as hooligan racing is concerned, I was literally at it at the beginning. Yeah, so everything, everything to me in hooligan racing has been the come up. Yeah. Right. But you know, and I, I don't want to say I'm getting burnt out on racing. I just have other priorities that I focus on and I've, I do like racing and I do like flat track and I do, I grew up on dirt tracks and I enjoy that. And part of what has made hooligan racing fun for me was getting back to my roots from when I was a kid and going dirt track racing. Um, but hands down at the end of the day, like I like riding motorcycles fast and I like having fun on motorcycles and sometimes it's fun to go race. And sometimes it's honestly fun to just go ride with your fucking buddies, which is why hooligan started and got great. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, speaking to that, um, I wanted to talk about this, but, but well, you've good, made a good segue to, uh, back in episode, I think it was 23. I went out to, with my friends to, um, Willow Springs to watch the Moto Corsa Classica, which I love. I've been watching that for like 10 years. My buddies and I actually yeah. used to go out there and, and ride on the track at night. And never did you think you would do a lap around big Willow and Spamala. Not on Spamala. Or, or three laps, huh? I'd done it before uh, uh, on a Royal Enfield, but never on Spamala, I didn't think so. But uh, I actually knew, I didn't know, this is again, I knew Brady, who he was. Yeah. I didn't know him until we had him on the show and like met him because I never like really talked to the people that run shit. Well, I always just go out, but. And uh, it's it's a crazy industry. Like, you know, you always joked when we go to IMS that I like see all these people I know. And honestly, a lot of it, goes back to how big hooligan racing has got. Not all of it, because I moved to California to work in the motorcycle industry originally. So like when I see Jamie Robinson and stuff like that, I knew him through other stuff. But, you know, even working in the industry was part of it. But then the hooligan stuff blowing up is what really, um, like, has, has introduced me to a lot of people because a lot of people know me that I don't know. Right. Yeah. So they would see me and know of me and then like introduce, you know, cause I don't really, I don't know. I don't really like fanboy and go like meet people or like try to like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, look, I do, look, but it's for like very few people. Right. And look, I've gone to like, tw- I've, well, I've gone to IMS every year that I've worked at the company I work at, but only had it on, you know, the show the past like four years or whatever. Yeah. Went to episode 23 with them and then didn't have Brady on until, I don't know, well after you were on. Uh, Let's let's skip ahead here. I think it was like in the 150s or something, you know what I'm saying? I think when we had Brady on, it was kind of funny because I think you set up a thing with Brady separate from me, but it was after I had done a classic track day, I think. Yeah. Which now is the best way to go to the track. Hey, yeah, exactly. I, mean, I want to go do some other ones. He has one coming up in December. And now Brady's like a bud, you know, like, and I, Oh yeah. Well, oh. that's what's cool too. When you meet so many of these people, you know, going back to Carver, guys like Brady, like guys like Diggs, this one, who two, deep wheels, in the- two wheels, three bros, no shirts. <laughs> one of them is hot. When <laughs> that, you, that like episode 122. So a hundred, 99 episodes after I, I first went to courses when we had Brady yeah. on. You know, you like you get to know these people who in our small, shitty little industry are like sumo celebrity, like whatever. Like they're just known people, right? Diggs being another. Um, but they're normal fucking people who like to ride motorcycles. And like that's a strong bond with people, you yeah. know? Um, Dude, I was so when Diggs came over to record here, 
we didn't get to do it in this luxurious garageio. We had to go in my house because it was so dang hot. So we sat in that back room with just yeah, like yeah. the TV playing and like did it old school like me and you used to do uh-huh. at my old house. And yeah, he films his videos at his like he does. He prof- does them in his garage. Yeah, yeah, he does professional stuff with for uh, IMS now for UBM, which which uh, is who runs the motorcycle. But shows. he learned how to do it with GoPros and shitty cameras. Yeah. So he learned the process making shitty equipment look good. You think I'll ever learn that? <laughs> and that funny that we just like in a way loop back around to how I started that big ass wormhole about like kids having the best of stuff, right? So. Diggs like started with shitty cameras in his garage making, I don't want to say shitty videos, but I do because that's how I like to talk about things. But he, you know, so he had cheap cameras and he was making these videos and he started making better oh, videos. He used what with, he got. Yeah. With the same cheap equipment, right? He learned how to use what he had. Now he's getting better stuff. And he, so it's like he already, there's that like crossover, like, okay, now my stuff's better because I have better stuff, right? And it's, so that's what I talk about. Like when I see those little kids with like the best equipment at the dirt bike track and the flat track and like, and it's like your chances of going pro are still the same. Yeah. Like, and, and here's the thing too, that I explained to Jasper, like, and I, I grew up, dude, I had the shittiest race car in the pits. We had the open trailer. We had this shitty old Dodge van. That's was kind of rad actually. Um, you know, like we had two tires, <laughs> um, that we would decide which one was better for what track on what night type thing, like for the whole season. Cause the tracks we went to didn't eat up tires. Um, a little stack of gears, old three wheeler motors <laughs> instead of dirt bike motors that everyone else had. Um, and we went out and raced and did well. Um, I only won, I think I won two mains. I had tons of seconds, I had a third at like Wait, a is big this, fair is this race. turning into a boomer story? <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, boomer. But and you had to ride uphill and snow. But it ways. wasn't about. I mean, it, of course, when you go race, you want to go win, right? But it wasn't about going out and winning. It was about going out and racing. And you know, I didn't really realize it at the time, but it was like about spending time with my dad and learning and doing those things. And like, that's what I love about like Jasper's setup too, is like, yeah, it's so much, especially for Mark. And I don't think Jasper realizes it yet, but he will one day for Mark. It's about spending time with his son, doing something his son likes to do, making his son a better person, making his son a good person. Like he's so, he puts so much emphasis on doing good in school, learning about your own bikes, um, you know, get knocked down, pick yourself up again, type mentality, being a polite person, a polite young man, like being grateful for everything. You know, he told me like, cause I, I, I was very fortunate. I was able to get him a bunch of icon gear. Right. And you know, he was like so grateful. And I was like, dude, I felt lucky that I could do that for you, you know, but it's like, and he, he said something like, I can't believe all these people support what we do. And I'm like, it's because all of these people see what you do and they know what you do and they know how real it is and they know why you do it. And, and I'm not saying the kids out there with the best equipment and the best toy haulers and all that, like it's not about family, you know, it, it's still about family time with them. And it's, there's still a lot of those elements, but when you see the guy racing out of the back of his old pickup with his son, 
like selling his bike so he can like fix his son's bike or buy his son a new bike type thing. Like that is amazing. And that is, um, it, it, it lends itself to a lot of old school racers that grew up that way or that pay their own racing bill. They see how hard it is and they see how hard the the kid works and they want to do what they can to help it, you know? And that like, that is something that I really enjoy about it. But that, and, and what does Mark do for a living? He's he, a grip on a TV show, right? And so that is the whole reason. Like to me, also, is that he's not a uh, he's not out there on the best stuff, and he's not even like in the motorcycle industry getting his kids stuff. He's a yeah. he's a straight, literally creative writer working yeah. in a creative capacity. Yeah. And out, out there doing stuff with his kid. That's that's what intrigues me about him too, and that's mm-hmm. why I really tried to I tried to poach him at the um, at Paris, and then Matt had me, and the car drove in between us, and like <laughs> I almost got killed. One of the things too, he ran away. Um, <laughs> he ran away from me. <laughs> oh, now I lost my train of thought. What was I going to say? Hopefully, I distracted oh. you enough to ask you another question about two hundred. Oh, shows. so but one of going. the one of the other things I didn't say about that. It's like it le- it, it goes back to like digs and the and the camera thing, like you know, for a lot of riders in all different disciplines, when you start getting to the professional ranks and you start getting rides to go to the track, those rides don't all have the latest and greatest and and best stuff. You know, like there's a lot of people that they're handed a bike to go ride. It's not as good as what they have, but it saves them money on beating up their own stuff. And the sponsor's like, Hey, I want you on this bike that I provide you. It might be a couple years old. It might have you know, might not have the greatest and best stuff, but you got to figure out how to ride it. And if you grow up on not the greatest and best stuff, um, when you do get the greatest and best stuff, you're better at riding it. You can adapt and overcome. And if you've always had the greatest and you get handed like this old rickety bike, it's hard. You know what happens when somebody hands you some awesome audio equipment and video equipment? (laughs) You make shit happen. Yeah, you make shit happen. So if I if I could even get some crummy stuff, I would do that same same sort of thing with this show. Um, I did want to talk about uh, shows that we've done or segments that we've done that have really caught on that people like. When I went last year to the um, to Brady's uh, the Californian show, somebody was asking me, "Hey, did you do you ever talk about like weird suspensions or like?" Weird? And I was like, "Funny, you should ask." We my <laughs> yeah. uh, my buddy Wiggins and I do this thing called a challenge, but some of the other stuff, um, the motor challenge. The only reason I bring this up is because I was looking for an episode that we had done earlier, and the moto challenge appeared right after it. So I was like, "Yes, okay." Over the two hundred episodes that we've done, I never did. I never really did this by myself. Um, have these challenges because it's done, you know, it'd be like a constant Emma's history hole if I just like said everything I knew about everything and people would, I don't want to be a tutorial channel. I, I really do want to talk to people like Mark, um, like Dan, like all the people that we've mentioned that are super um, creative and that ride with uh, sometimes no particular purpose in mind just to be, just to ride, right? And the things that I do love, though, since I do work in the motorcycle industry and I love motorcycles uh, like nobody's business, is talking about motorbikes, right? And so sometimes I feel like we can educate people on the show. And me and Wiggs came up with an ingenious way to do that. And uh, it's uh, it was the motor challenges, dude. I think yeah, the motor challenge is probably the best. They're one. fun. They're fun for us, and I think people like them a lot. And so hopefully. Um, 
when when you weren't here and I was trying to, you were I forget where you were. I think you were you were back east for Mama tried or something. And I tried to do it with Jay and she screwed it up first right out of the gate. She screwed it up and then we started talking with Dane about diarrhea and we we all started just laughing and it ruined the whole episode. So I, I edited it all out and I don't even have that audio. It's it's all trashed. Um, so. <laughs> Uh, the challenges are fun when they, when they work right. And so we haven't done one in a hot second, but they were fun from the get go. And so the moto scan is like my new thing of like, we should do that. We should tackle it all as a team and talk about, you know, take on a thing and talk all we can about it. But, uh, one of the other segments that I really liked too was, is, is this, you guys listen to this and see if, uh, if ugly bikes were a crime. All right. So roast my bike was something that, uh, I started doing. And then when wigs came on, I was like, shit, I need to make some, uh, music for this. And I did. And the first time we tried to do it, we failed. And it was like bike. We just kept failing because I don't know why. Cause we like motorcycles too much to rip on them, I guess. And, and when we do point stuff out about them, well, it's, a, it's definitely hard to, um, uh, it's hard not, to, not just say, oh, it's a piece of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's hard. I, it's hard to make it funny, and then like, why? It yeah. it because anybody can just say it's a piece of you shit. Know, and that's my opinion. And I will Fuck say you. too, like listening to show over. Um, like a lot no, of comedians, no a lot of comedians will say that roasts are the hardest to do. Yeah. And so uh, since we're not professional comedians, you think that's why we're, we struggle? <laughs> it could be. But it was like Bike 6, co-host 1 maybe. And then and then we rolled into Lucky Wheels and we had Diggs and Ghost and Ty and Jax there. And I think we roasted uh, Lawrence Opio's um, SV650. It was a, a random bike that a listener sent in. And we roasted the shit out of it. And I feel like we got our first victory. But did you know that there's a Facebook group called Roast My Bike now? And it was just started like this year. So I don't know if it was somebody that heard our show or if it was just Great Minds Think Alike and somebody we, started the page. Uh, I think we can get them on copyright infringement. Well, I don't want to do that. I'd like to pull from their uh, pool of disgusting. It's, it's almost like Fuck Your Bike Sucks on Instagram, except for that it's not legitimately crappy bikes. It's like, it's kind of like roast my bike. You know, people put it up there. If you're on, if you, uh, follow Reddit and you're familiar with the, um, roast me sub, uh, subreddit, you know, people just want to be roasted and they might not even be roastable, but you just, you find something, you reach deep and you dig there, but God dang it. Shut up. That's where I kind of got the idea from was seeing the roast me on. I did. I am not a Reddit person, but, um, I had like, a friend of mine showed me that and it's hilarious. Yeah. So that's a segment that is highly underused on the show. We constantly ask for it. The the only thing that's less used than that is ask as wigs. ask wigs. A S K W I G G Z at gmail.com. And we were like, and hey, honestly, ask Wiggins anything about anything. He'll tell if you. If you still listen to this show that I've been on for a hundred episodes, you really have to either enjoy my opinion or think it's funny or something. Yeah. Or you'd have went somewhere else by now. 
So why not? I'm looking at the numbers, Wigs. They're not. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Shh, be quiet. No, the funny thing so is, why is that, not email your own question? Yeah, people just think. I think people just want a Hoosier's opinion. We should instead of like ask Wigs, maybe we should say, uh, "Who's your opinion?" Yeah, something like that. Well, we should think of a funny pun to to put it up there. But uh, yeah, roast my bike and uh, ask Wigs. Two of the potentially funniest things I think that we could have on the show and, and highly underused. And uh, so is our voicemail. And so, oh, I did get a call. Nokomoto tried to call me right when I was in the middle of an interview on our uh, creative writing hotline, which is, by the way, 740-563-2858. If you ever want to call, call it anytime. I don't give a shit anymore. Just call it whenever. And if I pick up and I'm not in front of the recorder, then you're just going to have to... Uh, not talk about anything interesting, but, but anyways, um, yeah. So those are highly underutilized things that our show has had that I think were hit. I think the motor challenges and well, not the motor challenges, but just the challenge topics in general were a friggin' hit. You know what else I think is a hit is word of the week. And, um, we're already an hour and a half in. Should we even bother picking one this week? I think we get an exemption for the 200 yeah, this, 200th episode. This a, yeah, it's not a regular show. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, Word of the Week is another thing. Uh, listeners submitted on our Facebook page, and we used to take it from anywhere, but it's just too hard to track. Um, Instagram, you can't really uh, like make a group to go check. I mean, I guess I could if I put it, made another account, but then that's a lot of places to pull from. We got enough uh, submissions from our Facebook group, but anyway, we, did, we have this Word of the Week, and we pick them out of a can, and when we used to say them, it was just like, hey, I used to go back and edit to make it sound funny. But you know when we say it a lot, how freaking hard that is to go back and editing and listen to like a two-hour show and then edit every single time we say the word of the week. So what I did instead was make it so that we don't want to say it because I don't want to edit a thousand times per show. And um, now there's punishments. If you say it, it's like a t- you, instead of putting a nickel in the in the curse jar – you pull out a punishment and uh, you might be eating a turd from my yard. That's I don't think that's one of the punishments, but maybe we should make that before Jay, <coughs> before Jay gets to come in here and boss us around. <laughs> we should make one for specifically for Wiggins, me and Jay that like we hate that we, you know, if we pulled that one that we are just like absolutely quit the show, um, which Moto One Network might like. Um, speaking of uh, other, within this 200 episodes god i keep hitting this audio playing it but that's okay because this is episode 64 which was cerberus moto and it's something i wanted to say cerberus uh episode 64 was cerberus episode 110 was from lucky wheels um and we were at lucky wheels uh, right after robert pandia had the uh give a shift round table and that was something that has set into motion some of the stuff that Jordan Diggs is doing with them right now. And Robert Pandya, a longtime uh, rep for several different brands and a speaker at the, um, he was like the, uh, I don't know what you call it, but like the host of the IMS, the, the person that walks around, the, the spokesperson, I guess, you know, for the for IMS shows for a long time before he got in, involved with like, uh, I think he got involved with um Indian and maybe triumph for a while. But, uh, but so he was, he's been in the motorcycle industry forever and he started this give a shift round table after taking a couple of years off and got back and had this round table at Lucky Wheels that I went to that was talking about the, sh- the shape of the industry. I kind of feel like it's scare tactics cause we're not a hundred percent looking at it through, uh, 
We're looking at it through like the right now glasses. We're not looking at like the trends and then where we think it's going to be. So at any rate, I think anything getting people more people riding is great and not roasting their bikes unless they ask us to do it and then not shitting on every single motorcycle that comes out. Rather, maybe saying, hey, maybe we'll, we'll talk about it after we ride it. Maybe we'll get to ride a lot more motorcycles. I don't know. But um, that's how we got in with Lucky Wheels is because he had the round table there at Lucky Wheels and I had already gone to like the first women's motor show and the good luck show and a couple other shows that they had had um, and checked it out and I really liked that place. It was a DIY garage. It still is until like the next two weeks. But uh, episode 64 was at Cerberus. Episode 110 was at Lucky Wheels and I want to say... Episode like 115 was at Atlantis Motor uh, Motor Garage or something like that. Shortly after Lucky Wheels, at any rate, all three of these places um, over the last 100 episodes have, or 200, I guess, um, if we include Cerberus, have gone down. Um, Atlantis is still actually in commission. They just had, they moved, um, as Wiggins says, out of a place that had no parking. <laughs> to a place that has plenty of parking and is a lot cheaper. So Atlantis was uh, 119, actually, in the vortex down there. They were down in Hollywood, dude, and you see a bunch of weird stuff in Hollywood. They would get weird bikes rolling in there, and they were primarily motorcycles. Now that they've moved to their new shop, um, John Q., the owner, is uh, nuts for Datsuns and has been for a while. So now that he's got a lot more space and a lot less noise that he has to worry about... Um, He's been going ham on the rotaries over there and all the uh, Datsun pickups and stuff. I don't think Datsun did rotary pickups. No, he's got uh, a bunch of 510s and a bunch of pickups and a bunch of... Um, the old Mazda, like super old Mazda 3s or somewhere, right? Yeah, he's got a, He's into rotaries and, and 510, well, not 510s, but he's into rotaries and Datsuns, basically. Um, so he's got a ton of Mazda... Um, old RX-7s, and I think he's got like a rally car RX-7 over there. But they used to do all motorcycles, and they are now doing a hell of a lot of cars, um, specializing in Datsun and Mazda. Um, God, I keep clicking on this stuff. Uh, Cerberus Moto, I went down there, um, and we talked to um, Dave and Jen, and they've closed, and Dave is working at um, for Jay LaRosa now at Lasa Engineering, and like I said, Atlantis, they moved out of Hollywood. They moved out of the Vortex, and they're over in El Monte now trying to do you know, stuff on ancient cars that nobody will touch anymore. <laughs> so uh, everything's kind of changed. And I feel like hooligan racing, when I first started the show, was Ivy League stuff that I'd go to and, and primarily here. And now it's all across the country. And Roland Sands didn't have... In 2015, did he have his thing? I think that was, if it was, it was the year it started. I think he started in 2016. Yeah. So, because when I first started the show, think the he didn't have it yet. End of, let's see. So they just finished the third year. So 1817 would have been the first year of the full series. So I think yeah. then the, no. Vegas, was Vegas in 16 or 15? I have, it was in 15. Okay, so what would they do in 16 then? I thought the series started... Yeah, the Super... Oh, you know what? The Super Hooligan series didn't start 
the first year that they had the Indians, it was the year after. Yeah. So um, they at the debuted them in Vegas they, at the Prestigio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the next year was the first year of the one show that we all went up and raced anyway. I think that's when he was like, hey, this could be something because it was yeah, He knew it was going to be something okay. before then because I talked to him on the phone. He told oh. me he was going to exploit it a long time ago. Oh. So, yeah. But it wasn't an actual thing until uh, the next year. Not his series anyway, yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was, um, I've seen, you know, hooligan racing as we know it come and go. I've seen a bunch of shops come and go. Um, What do you think, uh, actually, and this is funny too, I think episode three is when I rode over to Vegas on Spamala through the uh, heavy winds <laughs> for the Super Prestigio. I went to IMS and then bailed and went straight there for the Super Prestigio. Yeah, dude, that's crazy. Uh, and so episode four was uh, SIT's IMS Tigio because I talked about uh, cooperative intelligent transportation systems and how they were going to change the future. And now uh, driving cars are here. I knew self-driving cars were going to be here because I kind of work halfway in the automotive industry, but I didn't know they'd be here that fast. And now I'm reading, uh, I was reading the, uh, AMA magazine. And, um, I mean, if you, if you keep up with the news, you already knew that Waymo has been in operation and, and, uh, Uber and all those people have been doing like self-driving taxis, right? But Waymo did it with actual drivers in it, but Uber and all and Google and them are like, nah, we don't we don't have people in our cars. So I didn't know that self-driving cars would be here so soon and they're actually gonna be out on the road uh, later this year and next year in a not um, test, uh, you know, like prototype uh, service. They're just gonna be a full service. They've been testing it for the last like two or three years. Excuse me. So that's something that uh, has changed over the last uh, 200 episodes is that all the crap I talked about in episode four is actually kind of here in a way. And the V2V stuff and the infrastructure to vehicle stuff doesn't exist here yet, but everything else does. The other big thing that I didn't really talk about at that time, but we, you and I have covered ever since our trip to uh, visit Crazy Carl down there at Hollywood Electrics has been electric bikes because those have been on the come up like crazy over just like the last two years. Um, and yeah, so 200 episodes of random BSing, trying to be funny here and there and, uh, having, um, current events happen all around us. It's kind of been like the, the, uh, the legacy of the show. What I want to focus on and get back to is our actual mission statement. And it's hard to do that. It's hard to set for me personally. I, I have what I think the show is going to be and then like what it ends up being for that week, depending on what's happened and what, what we have time for to talk about. But ultimately, the show was to talk to people like my buddies, Pat and Carrie and Brady and, and people that do and Wiggins and. Um, even Jay that do weird stuff, but we all ride motorcycles, right? And then especially when we meet people like Nitrous Chris, Michelle and Narissa, people like that, that um, uh, do this like crazy stuff for a living and are able to integrate motorbikes into their job, you know? Well, I, I know, yeah. And Wiggins, absolutely, it was his job. But all of us are creative people and um, do creative stuff that's not necessarily riding motorcycles. So I, uh, my mission is to get back to that. I think I've accomplished that at IMS. I do, we do have some footage from IMS coming up here pretty soon. And um, so, yeah, for episode 200, I did just want to thank anybody that's listening right now for uh, hanging out this long and sticking around. One of, some of my favorite things uh, I should mention, too, before we head out, 
and quit talking about uh, 200 episodes of Random BS is that it's fun BSing randomly. I, I like catching people. Uh, uh, Kevin from Steady, um, a miracle find. And actually, uh, I really love that he's like four minutes away from me. And if I ever, well, when I get into mini bikes, that's a whole nother story. Uh, he'll be able to help me out. And they do such banging like creative stuff. I love the fact that Flanders is right down the street from me. And hopefully... I saw that Mark um, from Rusty Butcher was out at the uh, Hoonigan burnout box that they put at Irwindale Event Center. And like literally that's also right down the street from me. And so it's like, I hope some of this stuff translates into motorcycle stuff. And I hope that me and Wiggins actually get to take, um, do some of this stuff and get, uh, I don't know, be creative in a way that like uh, empowers motorcyclists and makes more events for us to do. And so um, that'll be something fun to think about in the future. And I think if Irwindale ever does expand their motorcycle offerings, that'd be fun. Um, going around... some laps and see if there could be a potential race. Yeah. yeah. How big is that track? It's about a half mile. Yeah, something like that. Oh, it could be super fast. Super banked. Uh, you ever, like I was, remember I showed you that um, footage a long time ago, the Kings yeah. of Speed, where they race sport bikes around ovals. Well, you it know? was a mix of bikes. It was a crazy yeah, mix. Yeah, I mean, there was like supermotos, probably flat tracks with street tires yeah. on them. Like and it then was there's whatever. always Japanese Speedway, too. Oh, the um, auto race? Yeah, like stuff no, like that. Japanese Speedway is like Kieran, like track bikes, uh-huh. but on these weird ass single cylinder Speedway bikes. I'm not sure if they have a brake or no, like a speedway bike. Uh-huh. Um, it's literally just called Japanese Speedway, though. But it's it, then they all run like the kooky bars, like old school speedway. You're talking they lean about them auto over race. so much. Yeah, yeah. You're no, it's about a bike. Race. A bicycle? No, it's a motorcycle. Yeah, auto race is what that's called. I've, Remember that chip we were going to have on the called, show was going to be on here. I've always heard it called Japanese Speedway. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Okay. Yeah. Auto race. Yeah. Okay. Auto race. And it's like with they bet on it. So yeah. Yeah. There's no, it's but just I've like horse heard, racing, but yeah. with motorcycles. It's more like <laughs> Kieran, uh, track bike stuff to me because it's a human where horse racing kind of in a way isn't. Yeah. <laughs> Even though they have jockeys. Um, but yeah, it's like dog racing and horse racing and Kieran, uh, cycling in Japan. Um, I've actually heard the riders make bank but they all build their own bikes and stuff too. Well, and they probably get murdered if they mess up too. Like the Yakuza's probably yeah, yeah. balls deep I'm into sure some of them race. are throwing events, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, in the next 200, I really do want to expand on some of the stuff that we do and some of the, like, literally get creative with it. You know, if Girl on a Moto can pull off an art show slash, like, fun bike times, I'm sure creative riding could. No, I think. Yeah, I had I saw her little art show. That's awesome. Yeah, that's just a lot of event planning to to do. But and I'm so not good at that. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I yeah. like even for the races I throw. Like I, ha- someone else basically throws the race. I just promote. Yeah, and then the camp out is like. Um, it's organized, but it's not like, it's just, Hey, show up with some food. That's what I love about the camp out though. It's like show like the less you have to do and be responsible for the better it seems. That's a lot of the reasons (laughs) for it too, is, um, it's, there's so much to, um, 
in, in keeping it low key and keeping it like unorganized, I think that's what makes it fun at that event. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the reasons, like I don't want liability. (laughs) I don't want people mad that some didn't go their way. Yeah. Like all the camp out is, is I go out to El Mirage. You mean like putting on a race or something, right? Well, or just like someone like, Hey, you said this was going to happen. You said that was going to happen or so-and-so is supposed to like, there's none of that. Like I'm like, you know, like this year I took a limbo pole and I said, I take tires to set up a little track. And I said, basically what happens is I go to El Mirage and I set up a little track in the corner off to the edge and you're welcome to join me. Yay. <laughs> um, I provide firewood and, uh, that's it, right? Yeah. Firewood and the tires for the track. So the cones, you know, yeah. And speaking back to oh, and the grill. Yeah. That's still in my truck. All <laughs> <laughs> right. I know. I was going to, I was like, we should grill tonight. Like it's 200. And then I was like, hey, Wiggins still has my grill. I know. And then I was like, it's cold as fuck. And I don't even know if Jay's coming over. And I got to get my truck out of the driveway to, like, I like dread moving that thing these days. Yeah. I know. It used to be your bread and butter. And now it's like, you'd rather uh, blow, put some dynamite under it. <laughs> um, some of the stuff that we, oh, now I'm shitty. Now I'm too hot, right? Um, some of the stuff that we have talked about and we haven't got to do was you and I talked about garages. We started, we've started a lot of stuff uh, over the last uh, hundred episodes as well. Like we started talking about garages and then I have yet to go over and help you clean out your garage and, sh- and oh, we'll make a video about what a proper garage should look like or whatever, right? Yet you're doing your knife manufacturing out of just a little sliver of the corner of it, which is all it takes. So yeah, and it's it's funny. I wish for other stuff I would just buckle down and be like, I don't need I can do it with what I have type stuff. But the knife making definitely like I had to get some stuff and, and work on building a little shop, but um, I was fortunate enough to like be able to start cheap and and build up, but um, yeah, I think you know that's definitely like part of it. But I don't know. I I definitely think there's some more cool stuff we could do if we didn't have families and jobs and racing and motorcycles and and <laughs> yeah. podcasts responsibilities. Like, yeah, well, like we could definitely easily build like a little like white sheet hanger thing to put in the garage to to do like product reviews and have a backdrop, but you know, and honestly we could do them with a GoPro, (laughs) but it's like, you know, as the listeners know from the last few weeks, like it's hard, especially with three people, but it it hasn't been that like it's, you've been having stuff after work and I've been between work and working at 4am and new job. And so it's hard enough to get together to do that stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's been hella hard. And to be honest, like uh, even Joe's Mini Bike Garage, his podcast is awesome, and he does a live YouTube stream at the same time and then releases them later. But the dude, there's one dude that's a legitimate producer that sits back there and does nothing but um, produce all the shows, like runs the cameras, yeah. has like 15 different views doing the sound. Like uh, they have a legit producer back in like a little producer well, room. Well, and there's them. probably not, I mean, if we wanted to do it, I'm sure if we wanted to do like a live stream YouTube, we could do a GoPro facing that way and a GoPro facing this way. And, and I don't know. If, switch. Yeah, I don't know if we can like, no, just have a split screen of us both talking, but it might be boring as hell. It would be boring as hell. But that's why we know. haven't done it. <laughs> I'd rather save it for the crazy ideas that I have for uh, even even our stupid like garage thing, but also the escape from LA, which I am working on. And I really, uh, 
that's going to actually happen someday. I just had to, <laughs> I'm just working on the logistics of it all. Yeah. Um, and then also like just a bunch of weird fun stuff that I always have these ideas for, but then it's like, man, that will take a lot of fucking time and coordination. And I'm not a, we're, we're like you said, we all have lives and none of us are like actors on a set waiting for the, uh, slate to snap shut to start doing. And so it's like, we have to kind of figure this shit out. Uh, before we do it, you know, yeah. like we had to figure it out how we're going to do it before we do it. So at any rate, I hope the next uh, 200, I ho- hey, first of all, a little behind the scenes, there's a little bit of um, uh, stuff with Moto One happening right now. And uh, they might be signing us on to the um, Moto Trend Network. I, should pro- I probably wasn't supposed to say that, but... Uh, yeah, so there's big stuff maybe happening. They told me to start waxing my armpits and wearing a bag on my head. I don't know what that's about, but um, I'm, I'm only assuming it's because that they want me to look presentable for the TV. Um, but yeah, so hopefully the next 200 episodes, um, there's some big stuff coming out of creative writing. Um, if nothing else, maybe go buy, uh, we'll have some place for you to buy some of our swag. Well, if nothing else, we've made 200 episodes. You've yeah. made 200 episodes. Um and if we just do 200 more, I mean, that's honestly more than a lot of people and a lot of podcasts. Yeah. And, you know, I look at it too. It's like, if it's just our way to, um, it's, it's our little thing that we can help give back to the motorcycle community, you yeah. know? So it's, I think there's a lot to be said for that. And it's, yeah. it's, you know, it's definitely, it feels good to like, to give back to that, um, that community and that industry that's people are passionate about that we're passionate about. That's why we do it, you know? So I think that's definitely something huge to look at is, is that we do sit down once a week usually yeah, (laughs) and, and, and put the time in and do a show and that's awesome. Yeah. If, if it grows and we do more cool. And if, if we just continue to do the show like we do, I I'm hoping that our listeners are pumped on that. (laughs) and and you know that's i don't know that's a big thing you know yeah and uh upcoming will i was thinking about doing it within this episode um doing an ims recap but i think we're already we're already almost two hours in we're at we're at an hour and 45 minutes i should probably to do justice to the people that i interviewed do an IMS recap next week on next week's show. Plus this is the holidays and you guys are, if you're even listening right now, even if if it is Friday and you are listening, um, you are a champ and, uh, you're probably having a, if you're in the States, you're having a Turkey hangover. I asked the guy, the guys from Nokomoto texted me and we're like, uh, the people from England have no idea what they don't know shit about. Thanksgiving. They have no fucking idea what you're talking about. And I thought Thanksgiving was an English tradition that was brought over here by the pilgrims. <laughs> so he said that when they were kids, like Fourth of July, <laughs> right? Yeah, the British loved that holiday, and uh, the English, uh, the Americans only celebrated because it was such a huge part of English tradition. <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, I uh, if you I looked up. Thanksgiving and it's like, yeah, it's an English thing that the pilgrims brought over. Um, 
and they, that's why they celebrated it with the Native Americans like at a different time than they do it in England. But the guys from Nokomoto were like, dude, we used to have people, when we lived in England, we would bring people like kindergarten packets of like, <laughs> of like American, like Thanksgiving, uh, just weird stuff, you know, like little kindergarten packets of like pilgrims and natives sitting down for dinner and like, uh, tur- eating a turkey and all this stuff. And they were like, people were like horrified. We would, and they said we would make up strange, like folkloric tales about what Thanksgiving was, like all this lore about it that was like totally just fake. And people, he's like, I think those were the best Thanksgivings, the ones where like we were just like making shit up about what it means to people who have no idea what it means. And I was like, I've done that before. So it's kind of like this podcast. <laughs> so at any rate, um, yeah, that's episode 200. And uh, if you guys want to hear some of the old in, old ass intros that I used to have in here, uh, I might still have them. And I might play those in a sec. And with that, I think we're going to, we might have Jay drop in here for a sec. Um but yeah, we're like we're like fif- we're like fifteen minutes away from two hours. So that's about our old shows. Actually, we're only like one hour long when I first started them. Um, it's hard to come up with content. Just ask Wiggins. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes when you show up here, sometimes and you're like, "There's nothing to talk about" because it's literally been a week of nothing or totally rainy. Yeah, it's hard to hard to fake it. Um, but at any rate. Um, this is episode two hundo. Thanks to everybody who has uh, listened along this far, and uh, I'm worried that I'm like cutting out here because oh, there, there we go. Audio cable's back. Yeah, my audio cable t- took a weird dive. Um, that's another thing. We constantly are upgrading equipment and stuff here, so hopefully we are uh, we stay sounding good. And there will be a little bit of drop right there because um, I heard it in my headphones. But um, but yeah, we're constantly upgrading stuff. So hopefully. In the next, let's say fifty, we get we can do like a little camera thing. I totally rearranged the garage so that we could have like an actual studio in here. Um, now that, but now I can't see Wiggins over the monitor. I'm so short that like I could barely see over my own forehead. Anyway, so, but whatever. Uh, and with that, we used to have some pretty cool sign offs that rhymed. Like uh, Paul would always send in some. Uh, Brave Ifer, like. Um, Keep your roots above the boots. Keep your meat above the seat. Keep your chode above the road. <laughs> I'll, uh, keep, point your bars toward the stars. That was like one of mine for like do a wheelie out of here. But um, but yeah, so we're going to continue next week. We will continue with our moto scan, which is sort of like our moto cha- our motor challenge for everybody to learn something about motorcycles. I hope we teach Jay something um, about motorcycles in general, except for that when you get them, don't just start messing with them and then crash them. Um, and B, uh, we will also be back with IMS recaps, reviews, and all the stuff I saw there. So any of you lovely ladies that I interviewed and uh, everybody from um, IMS that I interviewed, don't worry if you've made it this far into the show and you haven't heard yourself and now you're all pissed off, you will be on next week. And uh, we can devote the time that you deserve uh, to talk about you and all the things that didn't, I mean, that happened at IMS uh, 2019. And with that, keep your... Uh, Wiggins, you give me a sign-off. I don't have any good ones. And I won't cut you off this time. Oh, that yeah, was, see, I was just waiting. I need to cut me off. That was another fun thing. Is I used to always cut Wiggins off when he'd start talking. We need a good one. Take us out for episode 200. We need a real good one. I don't really have a good one. You should just cut it off to keep the tradition alive. 
We'll try to think of one real quick on the spot. What would a flat tracker say uh, for 200th victory? He's up there on the podium and he's getting ready to step off and he needs to say something that all he, the cameras are going to click. You, he's going to be on YouTube. People yeah. are probably going to be Instagramming it yeah, like the whole next week. I don't think it'd be like a sign off. I don't know. And he's totally retired. And he's, it's Kenny Coolbeth's totally last race. threw it out of left field at me. And Kenny, it's your Kenny Coolbeth. Setting the mood for that. It's not. It's not. I don't know. You listen, Wiggs. They're going to have to wait to the 201st episode to hear the uh, sign off. And then you're going to cut me off for it anyway. Wiggins, you know me too well. (laughs) All right, everybody. That was episode 200. Next week, we're going to be coming back with some more with the IMS stuff, as we mentioned. And until then, it's rainy here in SoCal finally. So we're going to go enjoy this wet weather. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. And talk to you next week.